0: What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills! Oh, baby! <laughs> what is up, Buffalo Fanatics? ZBot here with you, live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel on an oh-so-sweet victory Monday night and it's so good to have you in fresh off of oh where do you even begin an absolute utter show a domination the flexing of the muscle in which the Buffalo Bills prove yet again that they are the undisputed kings of the AFC East 48 20 your final from orchard park in favor of the buffalo bills over the miami dolphins a team in miami who many thought would come into buffalo and show the bills that there's a new king in town but the crown still remains on the head of josh allen sean mcdermott and the buffalo bills with no inkling of it going anywhere anytime soon one of the biggest statements these Buffalo Bills have made in the Josh Allen, Sean McDermott era. Truly one of the best performances we have seen, and that is in conjunction with three straight back-to-back performances where the Buffalo Bills have put together some of the best complimentary football you will ever see, and I cannot believe. Tonight, we are able to talk about the performance that we saw yesterday. So good to have you in Z by here with you smoke break Buffalo fanatics, YouTube channel. Once again, forty eight twenty. your final from Buffalo folks. I cannot believe what we saw yesterday. Part of me wants to convince myself that I can believe what we saw, but let's be honest for a second before we get into all the good. And there's so much to get into going into yesterday. The bills, of course, week one, we don't know what that was. And frankly, sitting here today, I'm not entirely sure if I'll ever come close to understanding what week one was. The better these bills continue to play, the more week one becomes that much more of an absolute anomaly and the biggest head scratcher maybe we'll ever see from this team. It continues to grow and grow into one of the more confusing performances from any team, any quarterback that you'll see. But there it was, week one. We don't know what to make of these Bills after week one. Last year, the ending was terrible. Follow it up, week one, it couldn't be worse. Josh Allen hands that game to a New York Jets team that didn't belong on the same field as the Buffalo Bills that evening. Get out of there with a, with a, with a loss that no one saw coming. And we go into the Raiders game and we're wondering what are these Buffalo Bills and what did I tell you? What did I say going into that Raiders game? I said, we're not going to be able to prove to anybody, ourselves, the doubters, even the biggest believers. We're not going to be able to prove to anybody that these Buffalo Bills are real until the Miami Dolphins game. So, what do they do? They go into the Raiders, destroy them, lay a licking of a lifetime on Jimmy Garoppolo and the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay. But you couldn't tell yourself they're back. What are the Raiders? In comparison to the rest of the league, what are the Raiders? They're not the top of the league. I can't watch that game and think to myself, hey, the Bills are back. Last week was nothing. I needed to see more. They go into the Commanders, an even bigger beatdown. Absolutely shut down Sam Howell and the Washington Commanders, who went into that game 2 0, 37 3, your final in that one. And
1: if you didn't feel great about that game, which of course you do, but if you want to feel even better, The following week, that same Sam Howell team that had five turnovers, nine sacks, could not
0: get to the Bills' side of the field, much less in the end zone, took the Philadelphia
1: Eagles, the reigning NFC champs, to overtime. But it's still the commanders. Where are they in conjunction to the rest of the league? Where are
0: they in comparison to the top, the cream of the crop? In my opinion, they're not there. I still got to see more. And that's why we knew yesterday was going to be as big as it was. And yesterday was the opportunity for the Buffalo Bills to truly prove week one was an anomaly, but they had to do it in that game.
1: You could not take the Raiders game and the commanders game as your two examples to rule out week one. But after yesterday, what we were going to see on the field was going to determine, at least to me, what
0: we can make Of what these Buffalo Bills are in 2023. And we'll be able to put
1: to bed the trash we saw on display week one on Monday night. This was their opportunity. And the Buffalo Bills go out.
0: And not only do they take advantage of that opportunity, but they lay the licking of a lifetime on a team that walked into that stadium yesterday wondering why they weren't favored. Those Miami Dolphins come off a historic performance. Give them their flowers. Give them the love they deserved to earn through the first month of the NFL season. They were playing the best football in the AFC undisputably. Three and0 walking into Orchard Park yesterday, coming off a 50-point drubbing against Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, the Denver Broncos. 70 points. It hasn't happened
1: since TV had yet to be in color. It was a hell of a performance. And they came in yesterday with their wondering what's going on meme shirts, thinking to themselves,
0: we're the better team in this situation. I know we haven't proved it yet, but the AFC is our division now. You've seen what we've done through the first three weeks. We should be favored in this game. They walked into that one thinking they were the better team. And I can't think
1: of a better example of humble pie than what was served up to the Miami Dolphins yesterday afternoon. The Buffalo Bills had an opportunity yesterday to prove once and again, or once and for all, that no matter what you try to take away from the inadequacies that people try and create
0: within these Buffalo Bills, whether it's the downfall of Josh Allen, the drama with Stefan Diggs, the inadequate coaching, perhaps whatever yesterday was the opportunity to prove it because the people that are hating on the bills are the same that are putting the Miami dolphins on a pedestal. You can't have it both ways. If you're putting the Miami dolphins on a pedestal and the bills, not only knock them off that pedestal, but knock them off a pedestal where they're falling 300 feet onto the concrete. Well, well, then you got you to gotta admit the Bills are the real deal. Yesterday, the Bills proved that they are the best team currently heading in to week five in the NFL season or in the NFL. The Buffalo Bills are the best team in the NFL going into week five. And even myself, who sometimes can drink the Kool-Aid, would not have imagined that I'd be sitting here tonight saying this after what we saw in week one. I let that get to me perhaps a bit too much. I think it was justified after what we saw at the end of last year, what we saw to kick this year off. I think it was justified to have feelings of concern for these Buffalo bills. No more. The bills can go and lose this week to Jacksonville in London. I will not feel any different about this team. Currently week one was the anomaly. And I guarantee we don't see anything like it again. And if you want my opinion, And Tony Romo echoed this yesterday on the broadcast, and I'm glad he did because I was having very similar thoughts. If you want my opinion, we might look back at week one, that loss to the New York Jets, and say to ourselves, that might have been the best thing that happened to the Buffalo Bills in the 2023 season. I don't know if we get this version of the Buffalo Bills if they don't get that humbling that they got on that Monday night a couple of weeks back. Because what has resulted from that loss has been some of the best football I have seen from any team in any year, in any era. This is unprecedented domination. And yesterday, it was done against a team that everybody thought was the number one team in the NFL. And I knew it was going to happen. I knew you were going to write off the Commander's W. I knew you were going to write off the Raiders W. You can't write this one off. You can't. They proved yesterday They are the best team in the NFL. I know the Niners are out there. I know they've won 14 consecutive regular season games. I know that there's damn good teams in this league. But did you watch yesterday? The only other argument in my opinion right now for a team that is on the level of the Buffalo Bills is those San Francisco 49ers. Honest to God, that would be the game of the millennium. If the Bills matched up against the San Francisco 49ers on a neutral field this week, I don't even know what the spread would be. How is Vegas going to determine that game? If that game is played on a neutral field this coming week, who's favored? To me, those two teams right now have separated themselves. Did you watch the rest of the league yesterday? As I mentioned earlier, the reigning NFC champions get taken to overtime by the same team that the Bills made look like a Pop Warner team a week ago, the Kansas City Chiefs. And I can't knock them. The Bills had the exact same scenario happen to them against the Jets. But the Kansas City Chiefs should have lost to the New York Jets last night. Some of the oddest in-game scenarios I've seen in a while at the end of that game. Questionable to say the least. There was a majority of that
1: game where you looked at yourself and said, I think the Jets are the better team on the field tonight. That's the same Chiefs team that has struggled.
0: In, two, in three of their four games this season, the Bills have struggled once and have shown that that struggle was a complete aberration. The Chiefs right now, to me, they're not playing close to as good as football as, as the Buffalo Bills are. And that, of course, would be the one team everybody wants to go to. Obviously, the other team that's been around for the, the last couple of years has been a pain in our ass and have been towards the top of the AFC, the Cincinnati Bengals. Folks,
1: I'm here to tell you today, if you don't already know, Bengals right now might be one of the worst teams in football. Horrendous, unwatchable football from Joe Burrow
0: in the Cincinnati Bengals. I understand Joe Burrow's calf is all messed up, and I think that's got a lot to do with it. But they're putting them out there on the field. And the more they continue to do that, the more you're going to see a lot of what we saw yesterday. The Bengals could be winless right now if it weren't for a mediocre victory in a terrible watch of a game against the LA Rams two weeks ago on primetime. They're terrible. Look around the rest of the league. Who's doing what the Buffalo Bills are doing? Maybe outside of the San Francisco 49ers. But I will say this. The San Francisco 49ers don't have Josh Allen. And if Josh Allen's going to play like he did yesterday, I'll take them against anybody on any field at any time, anywhere. I don't give a damn. If that defense is going to play the way they have been playing the entire year, If Josh Allen's going to show up like he did yesterday, like he did against the Raiders, you can forget it. I have never felt so confident about this team than I do right now. And I can't believe that I'm saying this three weeks removed after a game where I sat in MetLife stadium, had to get kicked out by security because I couldn't move. And I'm thinking to myself, is this really going to be one of those years? Are we really going to have to sit here and watch the the team with the best Super Bowl chance that I've had in my lifetime with this amount of talent wasted away. Those thoughts are gone. I spoke to rev about this yesterday because it had been known that I was nervous going into yesterday. Of course I was. Absolutely. That game was huge, massive. I had felt that that game was about as much of a playoff game as a week four game could possibly be. Cause if the bills go out and lay an egg yesterday, the hole they have dug for themselves to climb out of, It's like that hole that uh, Christian Bell in the Dark Knight Rises is in, right? You can get out of it, but almost nobody has. They could have done it. Would have been extremely tough. You're 0-2 in the division. Miami's schedule going forward outside of a couple of games that are obvious obvious tough tasks. They'll be favored in the majority of their games. Nobody's got a defense like the Bills that they're facing. They'll continue to rally off wins. It would have been really tough. That game was as much of a must-win game as a week four
1: game could be. And not only do they win, they beat the doors off of a quote-unquote rival. My dad
0: texted me yesterday after the game. He said, man, I, I haven't seen you it. You want to know when it's real? And I always use my dad as the, as the, as the, bar, the barometer because – Where he's at is a very good indication of where this team is at because that's coming from a hardened 55-year-old Bills fan who's seen the worst of the worst, the, the absolute hardest of heartbreaks. If he's feeling good, I know how good I'm feeling. And he texted me yesterday. I've never seen him so happy after a win. Seriously, I really don't think I have. And he texted me yesterday, and he says, on top of all this, it's really great to see this rivalry back. And of course, this is a rivalry. It's an AFC East opponent. It'll always be a rivalry. Even the Bills against the Patriots when they went, what, 3-30 and against uh, Tom Brady during that era, it was still a quote-unquote rivalry. But the ultimate definition of a rivalry is when you go into a game and it's, it's on an even playing field. And yesterday, I thought that was going to be about as even of a playing field as these two teams were going to have. And that wasn't an even playing field at all. After the last, after the first couple of drives in the first quarter. And I told my dad, I know it's a rivalry, but the bills are one in 11 in their last 12 against this team, that rivalry right now, it almost doesn't exist because the Buffalo bills with Josh Allen at the helm have owned the Miami dolphins in a similar fashion to what Tom Brady was doing to us back in his a day. We still got a ways to go. Josh Allen's got to rally off about 20 more victories over the Dolphins until we can say that and put that in stone. But he's off to a hell of a start. You can't get much better than 11-1 and one against a team, and not just a team, a team that knows you better than anybody, a team that you have to face twice a year, and a team right now who's the best they've been in probably 20 years themselves a team coming off one of the greatest performances we've ever seen on the offensive side of the ball, a team right now that has the best wide receiver tandem in the league, a team right now that has some of the best young coaching in the league, the team right now that has the fastest weaponry unit on the entire league. The Bills absolutely embarrassed them yesterday. This isn't the bills going out yesterday and embarrassing the Arizona Cardinals embarrassing. Although it's tough to say now Houston Texans might be a playoff team the way they're rolling, but you know what I mean? This wasn't going out there and rallying off an absolute drubbing against a bottom feeder. This was a team going into yesterday. If you looked at the power rankings last week, the dolphins were number one or number two on every single one of them. And the Bills spanked that ass took them to town in a way that I could never have imagined. That game, I said yesterday, or I said yesterday on the pregame, I thought that game was going to be a low-scoring game. Just because I thought that both offenses, who who have been clicking so well over the last couple weeks, I thought something had to give. I thought something had to give. It can't be that easy. Vegas doesn't build the Bellagio on easy bets. And with that over-under yesterday, I'm looking at it thinking, I I just there's got to be something fishy here. There's no way that this game just racks up on the scoreboard. And then it starts, and it's a track meet. And they just never look back. In a track meet where those two were neck and neck right off the the shot of the gun,
1: the Bills, they kept running. By the time they looked back, their opponent was on the ground gasping for air, begging for a Gatorade.
0: Going into yesterday, I still had week one in the back of my mind because the Bills had yet to play an opponent, in my opinion. That had proved that the bills were who we thought they were. A lot of what the NFL is. As far as how you are able to create narratives on a team is what they do against the best opponents. We all know this. Anybody with a good quarterback, good coaching and a good defense can beat up on bottom feeders. What are you doing against the top?
1: I'd love to know the Miami dolphins answers to that today. Because through the first three weeks, everyone was saying the Miami Dolphins played
0: better opponents than the Bills. I'll give you the Chargers. Sure. It's also a Chargers defense. And I think the Bills might rack up 70 against themselves. Should they play him tomorrow? But it's still Justin Herbert, right? It's still Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. So you don't look at it like that. You look at that game and think the Chargers who, when's the last time the Chargers have won a playoff game, right? A same, the same Chargers team last year who pissed away a playoff W against the Jaguars. How could anybody have any faith in the LA chargers in any capacity? Hell just again, yesterday, again, Brandon Staley goes for it late in the fourth quarter with a lead on his own 20. I cannot, I've never seen somebody advocate to to be fired more in my life. I have never seen somebody try to get canned from a job more than I've seen from that guy. And he somehow still gets out alive, but that was the dolphin. That was the dolphins big victory, right? And then they go into the Patriots game. Folks, the Patriots are bad. They're bad. With the talent level they have, I'll give them credit. They hang in games more, longer than I think that they, that they probably should based on who they have on that team. But my God, the Dallas Cowboys yesterday, that was the wor- We thought we beat them bad, and we did in the AFC, uh, AFC wildcard a couple of years ago. Statistically, and based on the scoreboard, that was the worst loss of Bill Belichick's career yesterday. And that was yet again another big victory for these Miami Dolphins. Everybody's telling you, hey, you know, we, we still took it to the, the Patriots, even though the Patriots had a chance to tie that game on the final drive. I looked at that game and I thought, hey, that Patriots defense did a damn good job, in my opinion, of bottling up that offense. They only scored 24 in that game. The, the, the Patriots offense just does not have the talent to keep up with what the, the Dolphins do. You can't score as many points as the Dolphins. I don't care how good your defense is when you have an anemic offense like the uh,
1: like the New England Patriots do. And then it all gets overshadowed. And And I get it. I, I 100% get it.
0: You can't go out and beat a team by 50 and score 70 and not have people look at you like you're absolute studs. That, that, that's just being... You're being a hater if you watch the Dolphins last week against the Denver Broncos and said, ah, oh, that was just, you know, that was bullshit. I mean, come on. That was unbelievable, right? So even though the first two weeks, you got the Dolphins narrowing out a two-point victory against a horrendous defense in the LA Chargers, and then you had the Dolphins offense kind of get fits, uh, you know, pretzeled up a bit against the Patriots in week two. You didn't think about any of that because they went, they, they rolled 70 on the Denver Broncos. So they're going into that game yesterday with everyone thinking that they are leaps and bounds better to uh, the MVP of the, of September, according to many, right? He was the odds on betting favorite. I, 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 I implore you to guess who the MVP favorite is today but I thought a lot of what the dolphins had earned through the first couple of weeks was deserved in some capacity because last year it had felt like the dolphins were being put up to this standard that they had yet to earn. And I thought, Hey, listen, if two is going to go out and have the completion percentage, he's been putting up the numbers he's been putting up. If Tyreek Hill is going to keep rattling off damn near 200 yard games, I got to give these guys credit. If you're going to score 70 points and beat an opposing team by 50, I got to give you some credit. So I had thought, you know what, this is the best opportunity yesterday that the Dolphins have had to finally, to finally back up what they've been talking about. All you hear nonstop in your ear is the Dolphins are here. They're on the same level as the Bills, right? They're right there. And this is, their, this is going to be their day. This is going to be their time
1: to finally pass them. And I had thought, you know what, yesterday, this is your best crack. I have,
0: I have belief in the Dolphins after what I've seen the first month to let you know that I think that this is the best crack you got, and I think you got a decent chance to go in there, compete, and perhaps get out with a W. And in what, I felt, in what I felt to be the best opportunity the Dolphins have had to surpass the Buffalo Bills, they got their
1: ass rearranged. I, I'm speechless. That is not a bad team yesterday, right?
0: Obviously, it's just not. But this is now three weeks in a row where the Bills have made opponents look terrible. I said to you last week, I don't think the Commanders are a bad team. The Bills made them look bad. I knew for a fact the Commanders are not five turnovers, nine sacks, three points bad. We watched them rattle off two wins going into that game. They're not that bad. I watched the Raiders. I mean, they've been competing. They're not as bad as what they were against the Bills and obviously the Dolphins. But what we're watching, folks, is the Bills are so damn good and so damn dominant. They're making teams look like bottom feeders. Like I keep reiterating, I think there's something to this. Last week, you got everybody on Monday after the Commanders win, and their excuse is, and you knew it was coming. I, I would have bet a gazillion dollars that I would have saw numerous headlines after the Bills win in which it stated, you know, the commanders just aren't good. The commanders are
1: bad, whatever, whatever, whatever. That's what the talking heads are, right? They're not. And you see yesterday, they put up 31 points on an incredibly good Philadelphia Eagles defense
0: and take them to overtime. They drove the length of the field in a two-minute drill with a quarterback who's had five starts under his belt and executed it and took it to overtime. That same team the week prior got embarrassed unlike they, they, they've seen in quite some time. Their quarterback put together a performance that was one of the worst you'll ever see in any capacity. It does not get worse than getting sacked nine times and turning it over five. And now you see yesterday and you'll look back and what do you make of it? Because you had one game for the jets where the sample size
1: showed you that the bills are perhaps not good. One game. You now have three consecutive games where the Buffalo bills
0: have outscored their opponent, 123 to 33. And in each one of those games, the Buffalo bills have scored more
1: points on offense then the opposing team has scored combined in those three games. That is complementary
0: dominance at its finest. And yesterday proved that what we saw against the commanders and what we saw against the Raiders was not simply due to the fact that the team on the opposing side was just not good. It had everything to do with the fact that the Bills are that good. And I don't think I've ever felt this confident in this team and their chances to go get it done. Before we even get into this game, I want to talk about the surrounding aspects that the Bills currently are, are going to be facing and what's currently around them in the AFC. Because that matters. The talent around you matters. Who you have to face, it absolutely matters. I don't care how good you are. If there's five, six other teams out there that are on the same caliber as you are, it's any given Sunday. Right now, in AFC that we came into this year thinking, man, I don't even know how to pick a playoff. Uh, I don't even know how to pick a, uh, eight teams for the playoffs right now. That's how good this, this conference is. You looked at how many teams going into the AFC and said to yourself, man, I mean, this is just unbelievable. It's absolutely loaded. All of these teams, they seem phenomenal. You now have four weeks, guys. Four weeks. This AFC isn't close to what we thought it'd be. We all thought, or I'm speaking for myself here, but I'm assuming many thought that the Denver Broncos would bounce back from a heinous season last year. You now have another year with Wilson that he's got to leave that behind him. Right. You got Sean Payton. Now statistically, as it
1: stands right now, they have one of the worst defenses through the first four weeks in NFL history, in history. They're terrible. The Cincinnati Bengals, who embarrass us on our home field in the playoffs last year, they're on a milk carton,
0: guys. They're nowhere to be found. And I don't think we're going to see some flip of the switch like we saw with them last year. Burroughs banged up. I don't see it healing anytime soon the more he's got to play on it. They're bad. That is now twice this season, within four weeks, that they have lost to a divisional opponent by more than 20 points and only put up three themselves. Not good. Not good. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs. I will never roll them out, but they have not looked the same themselves on offense. You know it to be true. Their defense looks pretty damn good, but something's up with that offense. Something doesn't seem right. They don't look as good as we thought they'd look through the first few weeks here. The Jacksonville Jaguars thought they were going to come into this season better than ever. Get a playoff win last year. The the days of of pure hell with Urban Meyer are gone. Doug Marone's in. He's got this team clicking. They're adding Calvin Ridley. Thought they would be lights out. They have not looked up to par at all. At all. I know you saw him dominate Atlanta uh, on Sunday morning, but Atlanta didn't get off the plane in that game. They were god-awful. Desmond Ritter right now, statistically, is the worst quarterback in the NFL. Terrible. The Jags have not been what we thought they'd be. The only other team that has been on the Bills' caliber up till yesterday has been the Miami Dolphins. And if yesterday is the litmus test of what this AFC is going to be, how could you not be the most
1: confident you've ever been in the Buffalo Bills going the distance in 2023? That to me, the combination of what this team is doing with what other teams
0: are doing themselves. I don't think I've ever been this confident in the Buffalo Bills' ability to go the distance. You might say, it's one game, bot pump the brakes. It's one game, the Dolphins aren't that great. It's two, uh, two is gonna two, all right? Stop it, stop it. I'm so sick and tired of the goalposts getting moved every time the Bills do something extraordinary. I'm sick of it. Sick of it. Stop reposting Stephen A and all that shit. Uh, stop it. Don't click on it. Don't comment on it. This morning, the only reason I saw it is because I, I happened to scroll by it on Twitter. I'm guilty of it, as we all are. And I told myself, I got to stop with this. He, this morning, he says Brock Purdy's the MVP over Allen, right? Just stop it. Stop it. The goal post, I don't know what it is about the Bills. To me they're they're one of the most likable teams in sports. How can you not like Buffalo? It's one of the only towns or cities in the entire country spanning all four major sports leagues where it's just it's it's the Bills and the Sabers and man that is it. If the if Buffalo did not have the Sabers and the Bills, would anybody even know how much would anybody know about Buffalo? It's not LA. It's, it's not New York city, right? It's not Dallas. It's Buffalo, man, Buffalo, green Bay. There's a very, very finite amount of these cities that are literally defined by their sports. And that is what makes them the best, the best. And so likable, so lovable because you can drive. I mean, you saw it on display yesterday. Look at the Chargers-Raiders game. That stadium was 80% Raiders fans. You don't find the passion and the love for the team and the game. Unless, you don't find that anywhere other than towns like Buffalo, Green Bay, Kansas City. That's where you find it. These big teams, it all gets lost in the, in the, um, the chaos of the city. There's too much going on. LA's got a thousand professional teams. New York's got a thousand professional teams. You go to Buffalo, you couldn't get, you couldn't drive through Buffalo for 15 seconds without seeing something Buffalo or something uh, Bills related. You couldn't, you could drive through LA for an hour and not see a Rams or a Chargers logo anywhere. So I don't get the hate for Buffalo. I just don't get it. All the players are likable beyond likable. I've met the majority of them. I, I can tell you firsthand they're some of the nicest guys being in the position they're in the most likable, nicest guys ever. And it's not a shtick. They're just good dudes. You've seen Sean McDermott and what he's been. One of the most likable coaches I've ever seen. I, I, I can understand that if there's been times where you're, you're pissed at McDermott for a play call or decision-making, I get that. We're all like that. But from the human level, how could you discredit Sean McDermott in any capacity? I do not get the constant desire to knock this team down a peg. I don't get it. But then it clicks, right? Then it clicks. Why do we want to knock the Chiefs down a peg? Why do us Bills fans want to knock the Chiefs down a peg? Because they're that good, and we want to see them fail. And then it's when it starts to click. The Bills are at that level where they can't get their credit, they can't get their flowers, because those days are done. And I got to tell you, I love that. When you accept the fact that the reason the Bills are constantly being exploited by everybody and are constantly being nitpicked, when you accept the fact the reason for that is because
1: they're that damn good, you're going to sleep a lot better at night. You're not going to pay attention to this other bullshit. Because the goalpost today
0: continues to get moved. Now there's questions surrounding the Dolphins. It was injuries, right? It was this, it was that. I mean, give me a break. You can't have it both ways. I'm so sick of it. A week ago, they put up 70, they win by 50. They're the greatest team in NFL history, right? And a week later, when they get their ass handed to them, all of a sudden it's just an off day. No, I'm not buying it. Stop it. Yesterday was ultimate proof. I get it. You want to do that with the commanders and the Raiders? I knew it was coming, and I will accept that. Absolutely. You can't do it after yesterday. No, sir. That was ultimate proof. And I'll tell you this right now. I don't care. The Bills go out to London, which I think they're at an unfair – I'm not making excuses. This This is a fact. I think this is bullshit. I don't understand why the Jags get the benefit of being in London for a full week. And the bills have to go there later in the week and play them out off of them being over there for a full week. I, I, I think it's a complete competitive disadvantage. I, I think it's bullshit. I'm not making an excuse at all. I'm just saying as far as scheduling is concerned, I don't get it. I think it's ridiculous, but you know, I won't even use that example because someone will come back and say, Oh, that bot was making excuses. I won't even use that example. Okay. Let's use another example. Let's say, you know, uh, a couple of weeks from now, I don't care the game, right? I'll, I'll pull it up, but it's not going to be the it's not going to be the Giants. I'll tell you that I can't even I can't even bring myself to use that as an example. Uh, but let's say okay, let's say it's the Bengals. Let's say the Bengals start clicking right three four weeks from now, and the Bills haven't uh, have a game where they don't look like yesterday. I want it to be known right now. Okay, this is coming from somebody who had Week One lingering in their mind for for the for the last month. I did, I did. I still needed to see. I needed to see this consistently, and I needed, to just, I needed to see this put together in a spot that mattered the most. Yesterday mattered the most. Not that every game doesn't matter, but you're, you're lying to yourself if you didn't think yesterday mattered more than some other games. It absolutely did. I needed to see it in that moment, right? So say they go out a couple weeks from now, and they lose – because they're, they're, they're going to lose another game, guys. It's going to happen. I do not anticipate, although you know what? I I don't even know how how I can even make that. I I just, the way they're playing right now, I don't know how they lose, but I imagine they're, seriously, the way they're playing right now, I I don't know how to argue a loss. I really don't. I, I don't know why. I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know how they would lose if they're playing like this. But let's say they go out against the Bengals, right, and they don't play like this. Something's up. I don't know. You know, the defense, God forbid, who's been playing some of the best defense I have ever seen, has an off night. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the Bengals figure it out one night and they, they're back to what we thought they were going to be. Don't flip back to the Jets because I'm telling I'm tellin you right now, I'm telling myself right now that I'm done. The Jets is gone. Jets is gone. I'm not going to compare a single other facet of this season to what we saw that night. It's done. It's over. We've seen the proof. There is no possible way that you could disprove week one more than what the Buffalo Bills have done through the last three weeks. What more could you possibly see? There is nothing more. There is nothing more the Bills could possibly do to show you that week one was the anomaly. There's nothing more. So no matter what happens the rest of the year, when all of a sudden they lose a the game and everybody wants to go back and start bitching, I just wanna, I want to. it to be known right now to everybody. Don't feed into it. This team is one of, and in my opinion right now, the best team in the NFL. I don't care what happens the rest of the way. We have seen through the first three weeks, that this team is as capable as ever, maybe more so than ever, of winning it all. I do not care if they have a slip up the rest of the way. I was nervous going into yesterday. And like I mentioned earlier, Rev, Rev sent me a screenshot. Of, he was doing a show. Someone had commented, z nervous. He sent it to me. And this is what I said to him. I said to him, I was. I absolutely was nervous yesterday. I don't know how you couldn't have been. I don't know how you couldn't have been nervous. You lose that game yesterday, like I said earlier. You're really digging yourself into a hole. And it would make things a lot tougher moving forward. Not only that, but it also would make you feel uneasy knowing that the Bills, in their first two divisional games, weren't able to put together what they were able to put together against two other opponents, right? You'd have to feel a bit uneasy about that. I don't know how you go into yesterday not a bit nervous. Unless you just don't get nervous at all. For me, any big game, no matter how great the Bills look, I'm going to be nervous to some degree. It's just baked in. But I told him after yesterday, I'm done. I'm, I'm done questioning these guys, right? I'm, I'm done with the nerves. I'm done going in thinking that another team's going to be able to come in and compete on that level. I'm done with it. And if, it, if they go out and it happens, that's fine. That's anticipated. And this league this league is not
1: set up to win 17 straight games it's just not set up that way right I don't care the nerves I'm I'm done with it
0: I'm done with it I'm not gonna go into the Chiefs game on December 10th thinking to myself that this Bills team is inferior I'm not I'm not gonna go into the Cowboys game the week later and think that I'm not gonna go into the Bengals game like I mentioned the Patriots game any of these games I'm not gonna go into the playoffs with that mindset I'm done with it I'm done I'm, I'm, I'm eradicating week one in that mindset into my mind. It's toxic. These, these three weeks, these past three weeks have been some of the greatest football I have ever seen this organization put together. And I don't think people quite understand how unbelievably difficult it is to play at that level through that, that consecutively, that is insanity. Three weeks in a row to be able to do that is nuts. 33 combined points, guys, 33 combined points, three points for the commanders right last week, 33 combined points against a terrific defense in the Philadelphia Eagles. The commanders scored 31, 31 in one afternoon, three straight games combined 33. One of the teams within that three game span was a team that put up 70 a week ago. This is nuts. It is some of the best football I have ever seen ever from any team in any time, any level college. Pro, I don't care. It's, it's off the charts. I, I can't even put it into words. I mean, I can't, I can't this defense. I, 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 I cannot, I cannot fathom what we're watching. I cannot fathom what we're watching. This Miami Dolphins offense is an offense coming into yesterday that did not allow Tua to get touched. He was not getting sacked. He was not getting pressured. And therefore, it was easy. It was just easy setups for Tua. And to his credit, he took full advantage of it. You know, you still have to be able to take advantage. You can't throw out anybody out there and expect them to have similar numbers with a similar setup. You still have to be good enough to take advantage of it. So I'm not discrediting anything there. But they were put in situations to succeed. Right? The Bills have been uncanny the last three weeks at absolutely eliminating what people are putting into their system in order to set themselves up for success. The Bills are tearing it down,
1: dismantling it. You can't have success when what you are successful with is completely taken away
0: from your game plan. Anything the Miami Dolphins wanted to do yesterday, the Bills said no. And what's crazy to me is the only complaint you would have about this defense through the last through the beginning of the year here is their start to the game, where every week it seems that the game will start, the opposing team will have the ball, and you're like, what the
1: hell? What was that? And that's where Sean McDermott comes in. No, you know, if the Bills defense was sucking it up,
0: You could go on Twitter right now, and I guarantee you within a 30-second scroll, all you'd have to do is scroll for 30 seconds, and I guarantee you that you would find at least one tweet talking about how awful of a decision it was for Sean McDermott to be the defensive play caller. I guarantee if you kept scrolling, you'd find a fire Sean McDermott tweet. I guarantee you'd find someone saying bring Leslie Frazier back or hire a defensive coordinator. You want to know what's not happening right now? They're playing the best defense they've ever played. And I don't see really many. I don't see many people coming out and saying, Hey, how about the job Sean McDermott is doing in the biggest moment of his career? The pressure on Sean McDermott, not only with having to get it done, right? The Bills have been the Super Bowl favorite or one of them for the last couple of seasons. So the pressure's already there to get it done in the window and whatever, right? The pressure's already there, but now it's added. You don't have anybody
1: else to blame. There's nobody else to take the fall if the defense, Shit's the bat. Give that man. Call up 1-800-Flowers and drop that man off a bucket of flowers. That man has put together
0: three of the best defensive performances you'll ever see, back to back to back, and they allowed 16
1: points to the Jets in week one. They have not allowed an opponent to crack 20 points The NFL
0: is not set up in the quarterback era, right? In the, in the prolific quarterback era for the offense to not score 20 plus points. Yesterday was the highest point total they've allowed all year. They still want, they still more than doubled up their opponent. What Sean McDermott's doing. I don't know exactly what it is. I I, I don't know, but my God for all the people out there, and you know damn well who you are, and you know damn well if you weren't one of them, there were a million of them that were talking about how how pissed off they were about Sean McDermott being given this opportunity, right? How how mad they were at him still being the head coach, this, that, and the other thing. And I myself had even said, I think you're a bit – I think you are a bit naive if you don't think going into this year that the the seat was a bit warmer compared to what it's ever been for McDermott, Right. I don't know how you couldn't have argued that things were going swimmingly and you have an exit like you do last year. And you, the year prior, of course, you had the defensive meltdown against the chiefs. I had thought to myself, I understand why people think that there might be a little flame creeping up on there. I didn't think it was a hot seat, but I understood the
1: argument as to, Hey, you know, things aren't as, as, uh, as settled in as they've been in the past. He's answered the call through the first month of the season, that man has picked up the phone and said, hello, Shawnee Mick here, ready to deliver. It's been nuts.
0: And that's what's unfortunate, is when it's bad, all you hear is people bitching about him. When it's good, it's everybody else. Everybody else gets the credit. All The personnel gets the credit. Give that man his props today. Because in a battle of two great minds on opposing sides of the field yesterday, on the defensive side, Sean McDermott, On the
1: offensive side, Mike McDaniel. The proverbial chess match. That shit was in checkmate by the second quarter. And you want to know what's quite funny? Mike McDaniel. How many times have you heard Mike McDaniel is, quote, an
0: offensive genius? Well, then what does that make Sean McDermott yesterday based on what
1: he did to that offensive genius's scheme? What does that make Sean McDermott? And this is coming from somebody who likes Mike McDaniel a lot. I do. I think
0: he's a breath of fresh air in the NFL. A lot of these coaches have, a, have an absolute rod up their ass. I like Mike McDaniel. He brings, he brings some life to the head coaching position. He got his ass worked yesterday. He got completely mind effed with no answer. And that's where I think the most credit should be given. That game starts off, guys, that's, I mean, it's it's 14-14 quick. And you're looking at that game to begin it, and you're wondering if that game was just going to come down to whoever punts the ball first. That's what it looked like. That game off the bat felt like whoever winds up going three and out or something first, that might be the ball game. And you're thinking that game might finish like 47-44 in an all-timer. That had The beginning of that game had the looks of the Chiefs-Rams Monday night football back in whatever it was, 2018, was it? Where it was like 54-51, one of the greatest games of all time. That game had shades of that to kick it off.
1: And McDermott adjusted, and that defense adjusted, and they never looked back. 14 points, right? 14 points for the
0: Dolphins early second quarter. They'd go on to score six points, the remaining, what, 40 minutes of the game? This is an offense coming off of a game where they were trying to run the clock out and still could not keep themselves from getting in the end zone. They were trying to run the clock out, just get out of there, and were still
1: humming so fluidly that they just would still score. Six points in a a 40-minute span. That's adjustment. And that, of course, as we know from the coaching position, is the most crucial aspect of the
0: job. And that's why we've been so heartbroken over situations like the Chiefs game where they run that pre the first play, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, what the hell? You can't do that again. And, And then they do it again. And you're just thinking
1: to yourself, how do you not adjust? How, 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 right? Yesterday, okay. Dolphins are going up and down the field, and just like that, all of a sudden, a car that looked like it was going hundred
0: miles an hour—I mean, the, the brakes were slammed—and they're still sitting on the side of the freeway. And, and, and McDaniel's got the hood up, looking at the motor, wondering what the hell is in there. That thing blew up. That thing—that—that that, that thing went from a, a Porsche 911 cruising down the street. To being that car that you drive by on the freeway looking at it and you, you see the guy looking under his hood and you think to yourself, oh, that poor son of a bitch. I'd hate to be in his shoes. That sucks. And I don't care what car it is. I've, I, today, me, me and Caroline are dr- driving uh, back from the grocery store. We see a guy with a brand new Tesla on the side of the road uh, trying to look at something. I don't, care what, I, don't, I don't care if it's a 1970s shitbox or, or, or a brand new Bugatti. That guy's still stuck on the side of the road and you're driving by him, and it's not a fun position to be in when you're that guy
1: on the side of the road. I've been there before. It ain't fun. That car was cruising, and all of a sudden, it just couldn't,
0: it couldn't get the ignition to turn. I, I, I mean, guys, I, I, and to start the game off, just based on what the Bills' offense was doing, the nerves hadn't really creeped in. I had seen that as, you know what? We know what this Miami Dolphins offense has been early on. This might just be one of those games, but you saw what the Bills offense was doing. And I had thought to myself, I trust the Bills defense more in this game to get a stop far more than I trust the Miami Dolphins defense. I just don't think the talent level is nearly comparable. In fact, going into yesterday's game, I had felt the biggest difference maker in this game was going to be the matchup between the Bills defense and the Miami Dolphins offense, because I had just felt, that the Bills offense is on that caliber of the Dolphins, right? Where they can put up points in bunches. Maybe through the first three weeks, the Dolphins had the edge offensively, but we, we still know that this Bills offense is a top three, four offense in this league. So you have perhaps the number one offense going into that game against the number two, three offense, whatever you want to call it. But on the other side, you have maybe a middle-of-the-pack defense with potentially the first, second, third, whatever, at minimum, top four defense in the Buffalo Bills. So to me, that was the biggest difference. And that comes down to what the biggest difference maker is for these Bills going going forward the rest of the year. It's the completeness of it. You have yet to watch a game this year where you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, we just need Josh Allen to do something or we're screwed, right? Like you're not sitting there sucking your thumb, rocking back and forth, thinking, oh, my God, Josh is going to have to pull a rabbit out of his ass or we're done. The last three weeks, you're sitting there and you're like, oh, my God, I can't wait to watch the defense in next possession. I can't wait to watch the offense once, once the defense turns the ball over. I can't wait to watch this, that. I mean, guys, we have three weeks in a row where Kyle Allen has taken snaps. Kyle Allen has taken snaps in three consecutive regular season games. This is domination unlike
1: we've ever seen. This is insanity. The completeness is off the charts.
0: It doesn't happen. Teams are not built to be this good. I mean, in the salary cap, with the salary cap the way it is, teams are not meant to be this good on both sides of the ball. You could argue today the Bills have the best offense in the league and the best defense in the league. That does not happen. You want to know what's funny? You could have argued that last year about one team, the Philadelphia Eagles, and they were a play away from winning the entire thing. I'm telling you guys, it's all adding up. And, and, you know, maybe I'm eating crow six months from now. I don't care. Where I sit today, I have never been more confident in this team's
1: ability to go the distance. I just haven't. When uh, we, we know the Bills, uh, I mean, it, it feels like, what, 80% of
0: Josh Allen's wins in his career have been, like, just absolute blowouts, but when's the last time the Bills have beat the absolute shit out of a team that you know is good? You know, like, they beat the shit out of New England in the playoffs, but we knew New England wasn't good. They beat the shit out of the Rams last year, week one, but you go on to, to watch the rest of the year, and you come to find out the Rams were the worst team in history, coming off of a Super Bowl victory. You watch them beat the hell out of the Titans last year in week two. You go to find out the rest of the year. The Titans are are not a rough year for the Titans. All banged up, not good. There's no excuse for Miami yesterday. Going into that game, there's not a soul out there with an unbiased opinion who didn't look at that Miami team and think that they were a top four or five team in this league. Many had them at one or two unarguably a terrific team,
1: and the Bills absolutely humiliated them. I, I, I don't know. I've never been this excited. I'm just so excited.
0: And what gets me even more excited is kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier when you're talking about the rest of the league and kind of what they're doing it's weird i think the, i think some of the best in an nfc that i thought you
1: know might be the worst this conference has ever been i think today three of the probably three of the top six
0: teams in this league are out of the nfc maybe three of the top five maybe, maybe even higher i don't know And if you would have asked me this question a month ago, I would have said if
1: you're making up the top 10, it's probably going to be 80% AFC. Look at this schedule going forward. And just think to yourself, and this is the other thing too. The Bills can play at like a 75% clip of what they did yesterday. And that would
0: still result in a two-touchdown win. In my opinion, offensively, and Josh Allen's performance, if we compare Josh Allen's performance in the Commanders game to that of the Raiders game and the Dolphins game yesterday, that was probably a 75% performance
1: compared to those two, right? And, and they, still, they still score 37 points with Kyle Allen, you know, in at the end. So even if they don't play like they did yesterday, or play like they did against the Raiders or whatever,
0: this is still is dominant of it. I mean, a 75 percent Bills team today is as dominant as just about anybody else in the league right now. And you look at this schedule going forward, I will say there's something weird about this game in London. I hate the idea of the London game. I hate it. You lose a home game. Jacksonville's been there for a week. You got to fly over there. You're coming off of this high. I'm not gearing up for a letdown. I'm just saying there's a lot of things about this game I hate. So I'm not as confident about this game because of the outside factors. Do I think the Bills are a far better team than the Jags? I mean, come on. I'm not even going to I'm not even gonna get into it. I just think there's a lot of outside factors where I could see some sluggishness is all. That's what I'm saying. I just hate the idea of the London game but whatever it is what it is. I still anticipate the Buffalo Bills winning on Sunday. But if we're talking about on American soil looking forward here. And I hate I hate to say that it really does sound like I'm like I'm it really does sound like I'm being kind of a bitch there. I'm really trying not to be. I just I'm, I want to emphasize how much I absolutely can't stand the the, the London games. I I just hate it. Like the idea of it is cool and cool for the euros man I think that's awesome like they're into it and they go to the, I think that's really cool for them. But like for us and like when you're talking about going for a Super Bowl it's pretty inconvenient. Like when you're in a Super Bowl window here and you're humming like the Bills are and you got to fly all the way over to London and play it kind of blows. It's it's inconvenient to say the least. Whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to put my money where my mouth is, though. The Bills are still covering that spread to me. In my opinion, the Bills are still covering that five-point spread against the Jags in London. I don't care where it is. But if we're, if, we're, if we're taking that game and we're taking all the rest of the games combined looking forward here, I mean, when's the next time that you look at a game and you think to yourself, man, you know, I don't know if the Bills are going to be favored in that game. The Giants. I mean, they're on. right. I got them on right here. The Giants are the, I mean, come on, right? Unless Brian Dable comes up with the greatest game plan of all time, and he and he knows Josh Allen even better than we thought he did, and they somehow pull you know off an incredible night, you know, like you're gonna have if you look. What I'm getting at is if you look at this remaining schedule, you're gonna have to like conjure up these random scenarios to justify a Bills loss. That's what I'm getting at. If you look at this schedule on paper, there's not a game. Maybe until Philadelphia, and I got to tell you, based on what they've looked like the first month, the Bills, to me, much better team right now. Much better team. But it's on the road, not sure if they'll be favored in that game. On paper, though, you got the Bills losing to the Giants. You got the Bills losing to the Pats. You got the Bills losing to Baker Mayfield and the Bucks. You got the Bills losing to the Bengals the way they've looked. You got the Bills losing to the damn Broncos. I can only imagine what this offense is going to do. Guys, Justin Fields put up 28 points on this Denver Broncos offense yesterday. They couldn't score an offensive touchdown to save their life the first three weeks. I don't, I mean, that game's going to be, for just for the sheer entertainment value of what Josh Allen's going to do in that game, it, that, that's going to be an all-time watch. You think they're going to lose to the Jets again? You don't think that that's, you don't think going into that game that they're going to go into that one, not only looking to beat them, but to absolutely humiliate them after what happened week one. I mean, I I could only imagine the absolute fire that will be inside of them going into that game. And then it's the Eagles, right? And then it's the Chiefs, and then it's the Cowboys. That stretch right there, starting at
1: Thanksgiving, going into your Christmas time, it's going to get tough, right? As we know, this league is tough. But I just rattled off one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven consecutive games
0: where you would really have to—you'd have to think of some crazy bullshit to justify a Bills
1: loss. And then you know, Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys—three damn good teams. Even if the Bills shit the bed, what?
0: What? One and two at the worst, and at that point, you like you're—I mean, come on, at the worst. And I'm not even gearing up for that letdown. We saw what the Cardinals, I mean, I, 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 the Cowboys are confusing the hell out of me. How do you roll teams back-to-back like you do, get the shit beat out of you and not even hold the lead for one single second in that game against the Cardinals and get your ass beat? I, and then you go out against the Patriots? And I, I don't know. They're, they're, they're a confusing team to me. Um, the Eagles, like I said, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Something seems up. I don't after what we saw from the, I could not believe I had the game on red zone on my second TV yesterday, kind of glancing back and forth during the commercial breaks for the bills game. And I, I I kept texting my buddies. I'm like, I I can't, what is going on in this game? I can't believe what I'm seeing. How in the hell is this score? What it is, how I just watched this commander. And and then, but then it keeps clicking to me where I'm just like, it just keeps proving to me over and over. I'm like, man, it's, it's the bills. It's the bills, man. like,
1: the, the, the commanders don't blow. They're not going to go in and have that happen again. So you look at what the Bills have been doing and then
0: you look at what, what's up going forward. I just don't know how your confidence level is just not at an all-time peak. And I'm not, and I'm not like, I'm not cruising up the ladder to fall flat on my back. Like I said earlier, I'm I'm cool with where I'm at right now. I'm standing by everything I'm saying right now. How could I not? I'm fine if some if there's a slip up or two going forward. It's not going to shake up what I'm thinking right now, because we've seen like when you, this is the this is the ultimate difference to me when you have that Jets game and it was and it was coming off of just odd play, like confusing, not inspiring, and just like I don't know what to make of this type play towards the end of last season, and of course the terrible exit. On your mind, you're, you're forgetting what the Bills are capable of, right? Because you haven't seen it in months. And even when you did see that team on the field, it wasn't there. So I think there's part of me and part of a lot of people that I've interacted with that had thought, man, is this just kind of where the Bills are heading right now? Maybe we had thought that they had lost the ability to do what they've just done. So now that you've seen it three straight weeks, you can't say, oh, but, you know, I think that there's, there's still possibilities of being what they were last. I, 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 I can't think that way. How can I watch what they've done the last three weeks and think that that's the same team? I don't know what happened. I don't know what Sean McDermott said to them. I don't know what Josh Allen said to them. I don't know if Josh Allen went and saw somebody, you know, after that game who inspired, I don't know what the hell happened. I do not care. I do not care. What did I say to you guys after that After that Raiders game? I said, if you could just hypnotize Josh Allen coming off of that Jets game and then coming off of that Raiders game, if you could just hypnotize Josh Allen into doing what he did against the Raiders game or in the Raiders game. I mean, I don't know if this team loses a game. Maybe somebody did. I don't know. Because as it stands today, the Josh Allen... On Tuesday morning, September 12th, who everybody wanted to say was officially washed, is now, folks, your leading, be- your leading MVP favorite on all major sportsbooks. That Josh Allen on Tuesday, September 12th, that everybody wanted to tell you is a turnover machine that is going to ultimately be the demise of this team and also is going to be one of those quarterbacks that's never going to be able to get back to what he was is your odds-on MVP favorite today, October 2nd. Much deserved as well. Because yesterday, Josh Allen did what only one other quarterback has ever done. And he put together a game in which he had a perfect passer rating, over 300 passing yards, four touchdowns through the air, and a rushing touchdown against a division rival in one of the biggest games of the year, in one of the biggest moments for this team in quite some time. I, I don't know.
1: What more do you want from the guy? He's the MVP favorite today, and it feels
0: 100% deserved, and that's baked in with maybe his worst performance he's ever had. So what does that tell you? That just goes to tell you how un- you know how good he had to be these last three games in order to rewrite the public perception that was that was being portrayed after Week One. Do you know how good he had to be to do
1: what he is now? you know, displaying. This morning, I checked on DraftKings. I'll check right now. It,
0: he's the favorite by a, by about a solid 150 points. He's plus 380. Tua is still in second. And, I mean, you know, that's just because he had a terrific month. It, it, it That can't be disputed. But you saw yesterday. I mean, guys, come on. I think Tua when when things are going right and when Tua has the lead and the offense is humming and Tyreek Hill is wide open and Waddle's wide open and Mostert and A chain are getting the uh, you know g- getting the holes and, and running well. Yeah, Tua is a damn good quarterback. But the difference is that you know th- that Josh Allen is the guy that is going to make the team good. I think Tua and this isn't you know a knock on him. I just think Tua is an, a part of a good team.
1: Whereas I think Josh Allen is the main focal point of a good team and there's greatness around him. I think
0: there's greatness on the Miami Dolphins and two is just within that dynamic. I don't think he's above anything. When you have the solid run game that they've displayed that they're capable of doing, when you have the fastest wide receiver core in the league, And I mean, to his credit, he's a damn accurate quarterback when he has time. And I think, like I keep mentioning, when he's put in the right scenario, he's not going to be what Mike Mac Jones has been or what Justin Fields has been. He's going to be, he's going to look incredibly good. But it's the moments like yesterday. Where's Tua when you got to put together a, a, a must score? Where's Tua when you got to go toe-to-toe against maybe the best, second-best quarterback in the league? Where's Tua when it's a dogfight, when it's a shootout? And that, to me, that that's not MVP caliber when he's yet to prove he's capable of doing that. And he's your second favorite right now. I, I'm just talking about the—because, you know, pe- people still, you know— People want to say right now that Tua is the, like the best quarterback in the league. And I just, uh, I just, I, I think you watched yesterday the ultimate proof as to why that is just 100% inaccurate. I mean, yeah, there are Sundays where Tua is going to have the numbers of the best quarterback in the league. But you watch yesterday on the same playing field, the ultimate difference between the talent levels.
1: Tua is incredibly gifted, but Josh Allen is an unearthly creature. Josh Allen is a generational type dude, man. And he is 100% deserving of being the MVP favorite right now. And I don't know if, if we had the utmost confidence in being able to say that three weeks ago. All we could do, and we talked about this on here, all we could do is say, time will, time will tell. Right? Time will tell what last
0: night was, you know, as we sat there on Tuesday, the 12th there in September, we had sat here and
1: said, you know, only time's going to tell what last night was. Well, time's told time is told and time is told that Josh Allen is still one of the greatest players in this entire league. And time is told that Josh Allen is your
0: current MVP. If the betting market was to close today, Josh Allen would
1: close as your MVP favorite. So I'm putting a, I'm, uh, pulling it up right now. I want to see if it's changed at all. Still the same. Should show you right here. Might not be able to see that great, but as you can see right here,
0: Josh Allen, your MVP favorite. And it's funny going into yesterday, and once again, you know, optics are a huge thing, of course, too. Optics are huge. I mean, how many people tuned into that game yesterday? On paper, there wasn't a comparable game. It was the game of the day. When you perform in those moments it's invaluable compared to any other moment. That's why, of course, when he was so bad against the Jets, his terrible performance was emphasized to the nth degree by everyone because everybody watched it. It wasn't hidden within the 1 o'clock window. Um, Yesterday was within that 1 o'clock window, but going into it, everybody knew that was the game of the day, so everybody watched. And going into yesterday, he was like 10 to 1 to win the MVP. Today, he's like three and a half to one. That's what that game did yesterday because those are the games that matter most. MVPs show up in the games that matter most. And
1: Tua, yesterday, going into that game, was the MVP favorite. And after the the midway point of the second quarter, where was he? Josh Allen was there from snap one. Till the game, till the end of the game. I, uh, as a fan, man, today you're 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 proud. That's the word. You're proud to be a Bills fan
0: today. We've take we've taken our drubbing. Oh, I would say you know over the last couple, uh, maybe over the last month, where you 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 see it, but nobody else does, and you're still getting that Bills are frauds, Josh Allen's frauds, right? You're proud to be a Bills fan today. You're proud to hang in during those moments, knowing what you got
1: and knowing that in moments like yesterday, you got the guy that's going to be capable of delivering. And that's exactly what happened. Um, Stefan Diggs. This is, is this not the best he's looked as a Buffalo Bell?
0: Three or four games with a hundred plus yards. Yesterday, a three touchdown performance. He was unguardable yesterday. In a game that featured Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs was unquestionably the best receiver on that field by a margin the size of the Grand Canyon. It was not even remotely comparable. And this is the same guy that everybody wanted to tear to shreds in the offseason
1: because he held out for one OTA. This man is dominating. And not only is he dominating,
0: he's embracing Buffalo like no other. Took a beer bath yesterday after the first touchdown.
1: And those are the moments, because listen, and I've said this a million times, I never gave any credit to that horse shit
0: about the Stephon Diggs-Josh Allen relationship, all of that. Never gave an ounce of it, but everybody else did. So I I bask in those moments yesterday when not only is Diggs having an all-time day, but he's over with the mafia
1: in the back of the end zone Stone-cold Steve Austin, two beers with Bill's Mafia. I mean, where else but Buffalo? But of course, he doesn't want to be there. Stephon Diggs yesterday, six catches, 120 yards. The the touchdown of the day. And I got to say, and of course, three touchdowns. But I got to say, that touchdown was spoiled. And I'm pissed about it still. Because that's a touchdown that I should have been shitting myself over. But I saw the flag on the field. And, of course, I'm conditioned to think, son of a bitch. I thought
0: he either pushed off or, because the flag was out so early, I had thought he stepped out of bounds and came back in, and it was illegal touching. So I look at Caroline, I texted my dad simultaneously, and I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. And when they walked over and said that that was defensive, whatever, a hold or whatever, I, I stunned.
1: Catches that ball with barely any room on the sideline. No momentum, right? Nothing carrying him forward. And, and, he, and he embarrasses two professional athletes <laughs> with no room to move and takes it to the house. The guy has been absolutely off the charts. Look at these numbers. He's already a yard shy of 400 yards through four games. 31 catches on 39 targets. That's nuts. He's averaging... He's averaging over seven catches a game... A hundred yards a game and a touchdown a game. (laughs) I just, I'm so happy about it. You know, going into this season with all of that horse shit and
0: he is balling. Speaking of, speaking of like betting odds for awards and stuff, I doubt he wins it because Christian McCaffrey is one of the, he's one of the greatest football players I've ever seen in my life. Uh, uh, Four touchdowns yesterday. He should have had five. I don't know why Kyle Shanahan gave Brock Purdy a QB sneak. He could have tied the all time touchdown record yesterday, but whatever. I I think he's the undisputed offensive player of the year, in my opinion, but just to go to show you where, you know, the respect that Stefan Diggs is getting in the eyes of of the betting market, which I, I like, I like I mentioned on here a lot. I, I think the betting market is an unbiased way to to see what the perception is of teams of players because there's there's no there's no emotion baked into this vegas doesn't you know they don't give a shit about what you think they, they care about the bottom line so what the betting market is telling you is this is who is what right you know what i mean so that's why i do i do put a i i do put a
1: lot of stake in that I think it means something and right now the offensive player of the year uh, if you were to rule out the um if you were to rule
0: out the quarterbacks, because no quarterback's going to win Offensive Player of the Year. Stephon Diggs is currently fourth. He's currently fourth in betting in the betting market for the Offensive Player of the Year. And the only three players ahead of him are three of the best players in the entire NFL. Christian McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill, and Justin Jefferson. That's how good Stephon Diggs has been. And we keep talking about consistency, consistency, consistency. This is three
1: games where he's just been three or four games where he's just been unbelievable. Not that the fourth game wasn't even that bad either. Just wasn't a game where he cracked a hundred, but he has been extraordinary,
0: but it's tough to even single out someone like him when you got every other aspect of this team. And you could say the same. I mean, this is what this team has been for a team that has been so reliant on one or two guys to be successful. The fact that you're looking at this team's success right now through the, through the beginning of the season, and are able to say that it's almost impossible to pinpoint exactly where that success is coming from. It's, it, it's, it's an incredible feeling. There, is so many, there are so many stars right now balling out, just everybody. I mean, guys that you just wouldn't even expect it. Like, like yesterday, like Latavius Murray. Did you expect Latavius Murray to come in and just rattle off a 29-yard carry? Like there's just guys doing their, their part. They're doing their part. And that's what good teams, do. You have your great players, and your role players are doing their part. I mean, even Gabe Davis, only three catches, but he, he's still, I mean, he's doing his part through the beginning of the year here and getting in the damn end zone. And he's been enough of a threat to where, of course, that's going to open things up for Stephon Diggs, right?
1: The run game yesterday still cracks 100 yards, and it felt like they barely even ran it. You know what I mean? The offense has been extraordinary. The defense
0: is—I don't even know if extraordinary is the word—and um, overall, collectively, this team has just been unbelievable. And 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 let's not forget Tyler Bass as well. It's easy to to of course, you know, you hone in on the defense. You hone in on the offense. Special teams always takes the bass, uh, the back burner. Uh, I I have
1: no qualms in saying this. Uh, Tyler Bass is the best kicker in the NFL right now. The dude is unbelievable. He is absolutely unbelievable. He, he is a guy that I have the utmost
0: faith in in any scenario. He's off the charts. And when you just have a team that's this good, you don't necessarily spend a lot of time talking about the kicker. But you talk about the kicker in the moments that the kicker's needed. And, uh, and right now, I, I don't know who's kicking the ball better than Tyler Bass. So that just goes to show you how complete this team currently is all the way down to the kick, right? It's just, uh, it's it's something else. Um, So we move forward. We got Jacksonville this coming week. And with the addition that we're all excited about, Von Miller coming off IR, there's a subtraction. And it is an absolute heartbreaker. Um, Genuinely got somewhat emotional yesterday watching, I don't know how you couldn't have, uh, watching Tredavious White get carted off. Um, one, because you saw that he knew you saw it on his face. You saw him with the towel over his head. He was visibly crying. Um,
1: I don't know if we'll, you know, all of our professions are not reliant on being
0: an athlete. They're not reliant on using your body as your primary asset. I mean, unless, of course, you know, you're, you're in manual labor. I get that, but you know what I'm talking about. Your, your body is your, it's the temple. It's what, it's what cashes the checks, your athleticism and your ability to move and, and whatever. And we all know the risk that these guys take each and every week putting their body on the line. And I don't know if we'll ever be able to realize as, as, you know, non athletes what that has to be like
1: to be playing at an all-pro level, tear your ACL, go an entire year of intense rehab to get back to playing level. You come back. It doesn't quite seem like you're back to what you were. You give it another offseason. You really work your ass off. And by yesterday... I thought it
0: was safe to say that we have been seeing shades of the pre ACL injured Tredavious white. He was really getting back into form playing some terrific ball. And just last week had a highlight reel interception diving across the end zone to pick off Sam Howell. I don't know if we'll ever know what it's like to go through all of that, to be playing at the highest level,
1: get injured, battle back, Battle back again to try and get not only into playing shape, but
0: into the shape you were before. Almost get back to that
1: and then immediately go down again. I I can't imagine what that's like. um, And it absolutely breaks my heart.
0: It would break my heart for anybody, but it breaks my heart even more for a guy like him who is just an awesome guy. Uh, Tredavious White is one of the most beloved guys on the bills roster. And for obvious reasons, he's hilarious. Good dude.
1: I don't know a single person who's ever said a bad thing about Trey white. And, um, that, that sucked yesterday. Non-contact. And uh, of course, Sean
0: McDermott confirms today that it is the, uh, the Achilles and he's out for the year. It's a huge blow. It's a huge blow it sucked because the way yesterday was going it was just like all you wanted to do was bask in what that was yesterday and that of course was a a lingering stain on an otherwise unbelievable afternoon and this is going to be um this is going to be a big challenge for the bills moving forward the rest of the year Uh, they've dealt with it we we know that to be true this bills team has dealt with a variety of of injuries, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And they have found a way to adjust. They have found a way to still remain one of the best defenses in the league during those times. But unfortunately the bills are in a position where the corner spot has been one of their more shaky, uh, you know, spots on the roster. It has, and you felt so much better going into this season about that situation, knowing you had a fully healthy Tredavious white, who was making strides towards getting back to where he was. This is a big hole. And it's going to be a big challenge for this defense who has been playing I don't even I mean they're I don't know if if perfect defense is attainable, but if it if if it exists, it's been what the Bills defense has been. Um it's going to be a lot tougher to be that without Trey White. I have faith in McDermott and the rest of the defense surrounding Uh, or the rest of the defense out on this field, I have the utmost faith. I still think that regardless, this this defense is just an absolute unstoppable force. But this is, of course, a major, major
1: loss. I wonder what happens next. Kair Elam, it's time, bud. It's time. You are a first-round draft pick. It's time. This team needs Kyrie Elam, a guy that was inactive yesterday. A first round draft pick two seasons ago. Inactive. No one knows. Nowhere to be found. And
0: obviously McDermott knows what he's doing. Do you see who's out on that field playing defense?
1: There's a reason he has not been active and not been out there. There's a reason he has not nearly been good enough. I don't know what it is. I don't know
0: what has to happen, but there's a reason he was worthy of a first round draft pick at some point. And it's time to get back to, to showing shades of that because there, there, there is not a whole, a whole other lot. Uh, there's not a whole lot of options left. I don't know if they make a trade at the deadline. I don't know if that's in the cards. It's the first thing I thought of,
1: because to be honest, uh, my mind does not want to go to relying on a guy. That has not been good enough to even be act on the active roster on game day. That's a
0: that's a tough thing to trigger your mind into to coming to terms with. I don't know what the Bills do. I don't know if they go and make a move. That that is where my mind went. I don't know if that's in the cards. I
1: don't know what they're capable of doing in that department. I don't know who they would go after either. Um, but. It's time. I, I got nothing else to say on it. I mean what what else, what other option is there? The guy's gotta step up. You really worry about um well I don't know if worry is the right word. I'm not gonna go worried yet. I gotta see it first. Um You wonder, I guess is the better word. You wonder what the strategy is going to be here. I'm rooting for Elam. I mean, this is a hell of an opportunity. You have been clearly doubted,
0: to say the least. And it's got to be a weird feeling to be a first-round draft pick, and all of a sudden, you're not even on the field. So,
1: you know. It's tough to last in this league. I don't care where you get drafted. This is his. This is his chance. This is his kid. This is his, this is his chance. So all I can say is I am. I am rooting for that kid. It's times like these where I try to get down to the human level, it's just like I did with Tre'Davious White.
0: There, you know, we're we are conditioned. The NFL fan base, and we're all like this. It's it's a machine. We are conditioned. Guy goes down, next man up. It is very rare that we get involved within the human element of the situation. That's why, you know, of course, and once again, yesterday was DeMar Hamlin. Congrats, comeback player of the year. All, that, all he had to do was play one snap this year to, be, to earn that award. It was really great to see him out there yesterday. Super cool but that was what was unique about that tomorrow Hamlin moment. It was one of the only, it was maybe the only time. Well, I don't want to say only it was definitely the most prominent, but you know, the Rogers injury of course had shades of this. I think the Nick Chubb injury a couple weeks ago had shades of this. There are moments where it just feels like it's more than losing a, a football player. You really feel for the guy. And, you know, truth be told, when I was in the, and I, I think I shared this with you guys coming off that Jets game, I and mean, maybe I didn't because I just was on here having a heart attack, but um, I felt so bad, so bad for Jets fans. And even though I'm not a real big Aaron Rodgers guy, I, I did feel bad for the guy. You know, this is the end of his career. He was going to go and take one last big swing. And dude, you know,
1: Four snaps in and you're done. I mean, that's, that's awful. It's awful. And in this moment for Trey White, I just genuinely, I, I cannot even fathom
0: putting myself in the shoes of what he has had to go through and what he's going to have to go through again. It, it, it's borderline torture. Uh, it, it's, it's hell. It is, it's hell. Um, and that's on the injury side of things, but I think there's also a lot of human
1: element to the things that we never, we never give credit for, or we never think about. Even last night, I was happy for Zach Wilson last night. You know, I'll I'll sometimes go,
0: I'll go back and look through the comments. I, I rarely do. Like that's why like, if, if, if someone comments on like a tweet or something and I don't respond, because I rarely go through the comment section. Because if you go through the comment section, that's like taking a one- way ticket uh, through the gates of hell. I mean, I enjoy going on comment sections of other people's shit. Like today, I really had a ball going through Miami Dolphins' comment sections on tweets and watching the uh, the copium and the um and the justification for what yesterday was. It was great, um, because you had a lot of people who last week were puffing their chests out talking an infinite amount of shit and then absolutely walking it back today. And it's just, and I don't get involved because i just i think that that's uh it's a real waste of time but here i am how how uh how hypocritical am i i'm wasting the time reading it i'm just not wasting my time uh interacting with it i'm not wasting my time getting involved with it but i will read it that, that's for sure but um i rarely look at my stuff because you know i just if you want to continue to do like what I'm like, what I do here and stuff, you, you, you got to tune out the real good and the real bad. Right. And I know for me, sometimes maybe I have an off night or I say something stupid or whatever, and someone will come on and make you feel like a, someone will get in the comment section, and make you feel like a real piece of shit. You know, you're on here having fun. Someone will hop in the comment section. They'll say something, you know, and make you feel like, make you feel like shit. Um, and
1: that's just me doing a show with you guys about the bills, having fun. Right. Imagine being Zach Wilson, where you got Joe Namath on national radio basically calling you a piece of shit, right? You got Rodney Harrison, what an asshole, What what an ass, ugh, you know, it's so funny, me
0: and my dad, we have... And it's, of course, it's the Patriots factor. I mean, that's like 95. That is actually 99% of it, but whatever. I don't care. It's, it's, it's the Patriots. Anybody related to the Patriots, I more than more than likely can't stand. He's always just been a hater when it came to the Bills, and that's why I never really respected any of his takes. The What he said about Zach Wilson last night was egregious. And this is coming from somebody who I think a lot of times things get overblown. Like last week, Chris Sims said something about, you know, getting after the quarterback and he used the word kill and people wanted to make it seem like he was literally saying to go and hurt the quarterback. It's not what he was saying. He, he ever played a sport? He ever had played a sport and a coach said, go out there and kill. Like, he doesn't mean go out there and kill somebody. But, but nowadays, like everybody wants to twist someone's words if they don't like somebody, you know, and they want to make them look bad. So that, that's what happens all the time. Last night wasn't that, you know, Rodney Harrison went on national TV on NBC, like basic cable and, and, and humiliated Zach Wilson. And he's not a shock jock. Like, I, I, I almost get it to some degree. If your job is like a radio host, like, I, I mean, I could see, you know, coward or somebody saying that, but that's that's the gig. That's not the gig last night. You know, Rodney Harrison is a former NFL player who has been in the locker room with guys who have not been good has been in the locker room with guys who have been cut has been in the environment and knows how tough it is to succeed in this league. And he's also, he's not on the, the panel to, 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 to rip down guys. That's for the that, that to me is for the Monday morning guys on the radio. That's just always what it's been. And even to some degree with that, it can get out of hand. I have no problem saying, listen, Zach Wilson's been playing terrible quarterback, right? I have no problem with that or whatever. And frankly, I really don't have much, much of a problem with like somebody like me or whoever else doing stuff like this. And you come on here and you're, and you're messing around and you're like, you know, man, you know, Zach Wilson is trash. Like that. We do that all the time. But he said it last night in like a malicious way
1: to Chris Jones. And I just thought that was ridiculous. And it got me thinking. When he did that last night, I was watching Zach Wilson play
0: last night. Infinitely better than maybe he's ever played. And of course, you're rooting for the Jets last night. Sorry. You know the Chiefs go down in that game. The Bills are the, in sole possession of the of first place in the AFC. And anytime the Chiefs can get knocked down a peg, we're signing up for that. And I'm watching that game, and I'm like, oh my god, Mahomes looks like Mahomes looks like the guy that everybody's shitting on, not Wilson. It was so weird. That game last night was like an identical copy of the Bills-Jets game where it just felt like someone said, hey, Allen and Mahomes, I'll give you a billion dollars if you go out and and play the worst game of your life tonight. It was so odd. But anyway, you know, Wilson goes out and and, and puts together a damn good game based on what we've expected from him. And and Rodney Harrison says to Chris Jones, he goes, he calls him, he's like, that guy's trash. Just thought that was unacceptable. But what I'm, the point I'm getting at is you got a kid last night who, anytime that kid turns on his phone or the TV or the radio, someone's talking about how terrible he is, how awful he is. And I don't think we ever really get down to the human,
1: the human element of that. That has got to make you feel worthless. Every time you go online, anytime you do anything, You're being made to think that you are
0: absolutely worthless. Is Zach Wilson a really bad quarterback?
1: Yes. Is he one of the biggest busts of all time? Yes. But it doesn't mean he's not a human being. And this past week alone, you got the most famous and and
0: successful New York Jet of all time going on national radio and ripping your ass apart. And you got to go and face the media and answer to that, and he did it exceptionally well. I never liked Zach Wilson at all. I gained a lot of respect from him in that moment. I don't know if I would have been able to do the same. And then you got the shit with Rodney Harrison last night. So what I'm getting at is there's a human element to this, and I was happy for Zach Wilson last night. Let's talk about how this relates to Kyrie Elam. This kid gets drafted in the first round and he's expected to be that of a first round caliber player. You're not drafted in the first round for the, for the hell of it. You're, you're drafted in the first round because you are viewed as one of the 32 best players in the entire draft. And therefore you are viewed to be one of the best players coming into the league. And he has been far from it. That's a fact, but you have to wonder what it's gotta be like for him to get drafted in the first round. And all of a sudden you realize that it's not, it's not working out. So what I look at for this moment here is you got an opportunity for a kid that, you know, had the world at his fingertips when he was drafted and it is slipping away. He has been given an opportunity with with an unfortunate circumstance to be able to rewrite the ship. And I'm rooting heavy for him.
1: I hope he gets an opportunity and I hope he capitalized. You got to imagine he's getting this opportunity for sure. Right? But it's his chance. It It is his chance seeing some uh, comments in here, by the way. The,
0: the, the, the Jets game. Real quick comment on that, by the way, because I, 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 I'm sure
1: everybody watched it last night. Oh, touchdown, uh, touchdown Seattle. Geno Smith. DK. Fantasy points. Um, Jets got hosed last night. Jets got hosed. I thought the Jets were the better team yesterday, and I don't know, man. That there's moments where
0: I the the rest situation really bothers me. There are moments and there are moments where I question motive. Sometimes I don't know how that game was extended in favor of the Chiefs on that run from Mahomes. I I I, I don't know. The. the The Chiefs got the ball on the 50-yard line with eight minutes left on the 50. It's not like they were on the 10 and had to go the length and therefore were able to run the clock out. They were on the 50 and were able to run the clock down to zero. I've never seen that before. I didn't even know it was possible to milk eight minutes off the clock with the ball on the
1: 50-yard line. I I really didn't even know that was even a possibility. And it just felt like on both sides last night. And there were calls that went against the chiefs too, that I thought were iffy just
0: felt like last night in a big game where the jets were really getting it together. It just felt like the refs really had a, a distinct mark on that game And any, in any time that's true. I think it's a damn shame. These games should not be the, the next day. These games should not have the refs talked about in any capacity. It's ridiculous. There should never be a moment the next day where the refs are the talking point after a great game. And I thought after last night's game, and I know a lot of times, like, people... Like, I saw people blaming the refs about the Dolphins game yesterday. Those are the moments where you're like, dude, hold the L. Get it together. You lost by 28. Get the hell out of here, you know? Take that L and and eat it for breakfast, save the leftovers for lunch and dinner, and eat it for those meals, too but there are games like last night where they're one score and it's anybody's ball game. And you're just seeing a flag on every other play. And it's like, dude, this is, this is bullshit. And I thought that was that kind of game last night, but you know, regardless chiefs get out of there victorious. Um, The first quarter lead that they built ultimately wound up being enough uh, somehow, but they were as bad in that game as the bills were, if not worse. I mean, it was, it was odd. At least in the Bills game, and I know the Bills lost. There's, there's nothing. I mean, the Chiefs won, so you got to give them the credit. They ultimately got it done. But um, the Chiefs' defense that's been looking damn solid the first month, maybe the best this defense has looked with Mahomes
1: on this team. Um, they didn't look good yesterday. Uh, Zach Wilson, good for him, good for him last night. On a national stage all week, getting just grilled,
0: shredded to pieces. I thought it was a real good moment for him, and I just thought that it was kind of tainted a bit by the, the flags on both sides of the ball. I thought both teams were getting flagged up nonstop. I just thought it was ridiculous. Uh, but more importantly, I, the, the look of the Chiefs last night, and I know that you can only put so much into it because the Bills looked the same against the Jets, and I don't know, maybe the Jets, maybe they're just one of those teams that, that, that plays up to the competition, and when they play similar or worse opponents, they just collapse. I have no idea. But
1: the Chiefs were bad. The the, the throws that Mahomes made, and I I don't know. I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. it. It looked like he was actively trying to throw a pick.
0: I mean, you can maybe argue that with the Allen picks in week one, I guess, too. But at least on those throws, it looked like he was just trying to make a play. Like he was under duress or he was rolling out of the pocket and he was trying to force it to the end zone. Mahomes had a couple of picks yesterday where he would he would not even be touched and he would just flick it like this. Like he would, it would it was almost like he was throwing uh,
1: like say someone's sitting across the room from you and you're and you're tossing them a I don't know, a bag of chips. It was like this. And it was five, six yards underthrown, not a receiver in sight. Ah, weird. Weird. It, it really made me wonder if, like, the Jets, someone in the Jets'
0: front office went to Mahomes and Allen in the offseason and said, hey, listen, we'll, we'll offer you a, a number you can't refuse if you just go out here and, and, and please play the worst game you've ever played. Because I, I had no, I, I had, n- I, to this day, as I sit here, I have no explanation for what Josh Allen did against the Jets. And last night with Mahomes, I have no explanation as to what he did last night either. It's just very, very odd. And it was so incredibly weird to see it
1: against the same team in the same stadium on the exact same broadcast. Weird. Um, so as I was saying earlier, we, we
0: have an unfortunate departure with Tredavious White. It's going to be a big test for these Buffalo Bills to overcome that and continue to try and play on the same caliber that they have been on defense. But what will help that out and what brings a, brings a smile to my face, Von Miller back at practice this week. I doubt we see him in Jack uh, in London this weekend. I doubt that. But if you have your TV on as you're listening or watching uh, me and you see number eight wearing blue
1: in the shotgun, I believe he will be the lucky Quarterback to first face Von Miller off the injury. And I already feel bad for him. <laughs> Daniel Jones.
0: <laughs> you saw what the Cowboys did to Daniel Jones in the Giants
1: in week one. And I just think that that was a trailer for the feature film the Bills are going to put together against them on Sunday night football
0: in two weeks. I think that's when we see Von Miller back. And I think the one thing that has stood out to me, it doesn't really hit me in the middle of the game, but then when I, when the game ends and I sit back and I kind of just take it all in and, and think back on all the little things, like I go and look at the stats and I think about just all of the little aspects of the game. And yesterday was a good one to do or to, to do that with, because there were so many things that you could just sit back and be like, man, you know I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they did that. And you're just like, wow. Like that was one of those wins yesterday where I sat back and I knew I don't care what happens to me this week, like work, or whatever. I, I know I'm just gonna have an awesome week. And maybe that is incredibly sad that that team has that much power over me because you know when the Jets with, with the Jets game, I, I
1: don't think I smiled the whole week. Miserable the whole entire week. Miserable. But I knew that this week I'm just gonna be in a great mood. I don't give a.
0: I don't care what's going on. Who cares? I mean, you could, you could, I could be walking down the street. You could come up, spit in my face, flick me off, say, you know, go to hell. And I'd be like, Hey, you have a great day too. I just knew that was what that, that's what yesterday was going to do for me all week. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, all these little things. And then it hits me. And this is,
1: this has happened the last three weeks after watching this defense, it'll hit me where I'm like, no, they just did that. Von Miller ain't even out on that field. They just did that. Right? They just put together about as dominant of a day as you could possibly do. And a future first ballot Hall of Famer on that defensive line was not out there. And he's coming.
0: And what's awesome to me is you're seeing Ed Oliver really coming coming into form, right? And, and, and you, you're waiting Groot you, you will do some things too. Everybody, everybody will have their moment. And I'm just thinking to myself. You know, what's it going to be when you got to dedicate a double team to Von Miller when he comes back? Because I don't care if Von Miller's out there on one leg. You're not, you're not single covering Von Miller
1: on the line. You're not. You're not blocking Von Miller with one offensive lineman. I don't care if he's got no legs. He's one of the most dominant pass rushers in the history of the game. So when he comes back out on that field, I don't know. If we, I understand Jadavious White's gone, but somebody made, a, somebody made a point to me yesterday. And it made me laugh, and it was a joke, I think. I mean, it was it made me laugh. Then I was like, you know what? There's like some
0: hilarious, potentially hilarious truth to this. I forget who it was who even said it to me. Maybe I read it somewhere. I can't remember, but I, I, it, it, was. I understand it was. It was like to to the extent of I understand Tre'Davious White's not going to be out there,
1: but do you even need a corner when you can't even throw the ball? And I'm thinking to myself, it's honestly not a bad point. How accurate are you going to be able to throw the ball, if at all, when you got this team getting the pressure that they're already getting out of a base personnel without Von Miller? What's it going to be like with Von Miller? I don't know, and I can't wait to see it. I can't wait. And I just think it's hilarious. I think that the the first moment we're going to see it is against Brian Dable's offense. And I think they're going to absolutely put him through a paper shredder. And I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Von Miller is back at practice, man. When that first came out
0: that Von Miller was going to be on IR, you looked at the schedule and you thought to yourself, well, at least I did. I, one thing I said was, you know what? I don't think this could be coming at a more favorable time for the Bills. If it had to happen, at least it's happening now. You looked at that schedule and you said, you know, perhaps the quote unquote easier two games of the year were the commanders and the Raiders. And then you were looking, you're like, you know, if you can get one of those two jets dolphins games without Von Miller, you're in damn good shape. That's exactly what's happened. And not only is that what's happened, but they've also looked about as good as you could possibly have ever imagined way better than I ever thought. And I thought they were going to be damn good. I mean, going into this year, I had said on numerous occasions that I had felt that this defense might be better than ever because of the health. And I also had felt that overall, this defense has been so consistent and reliable that, you know, I just had the utmost confidence. But even with that with that optimism, I I didn't think that it was going to be like this. I mean, I just didn't. I mean... Find me the guy who had Terrell Bernard perhaps being the best linebacker in the league for the first month, and oh wait, no, I'm sorry. You know what? Terrell Bernard is not the best linebacker in the league. Sorry, because uh, the guy who is is actually playing directly next to him. That's the best linebacker unit. That's the best linebacker unit in football right now. And that, uh, I mean, this is, I love how I'll talk about one thing and I'll think of something and it'll just immediately, immediately make me think about another great thing from yesterday. Like, that's how this, this, been, this is how this game was. So you're thinking about something, talking about something, and then it'll immediately make you think of something else or you're just like, oh, yeah. And then that was also awesome. Yesterday, going into yesterday, Terrell Bernard and this is kind of, this is piggybacking off the Von Miller thing, right? You, the addition of Von Miller and the subtraction of, of Tredavious White, how is that going to balance out? And what else do we have on defense that's going to be able to make you feel better about the loss of Tredavious White? Well, okay. So you got you got the linebacker uh, tandem in in, in in Terrell Bernard and in, um, Matt Milano. And, you know, through
1: the, through the first three weeks,
0: I'm thinking to myself, th- th- this is unbelievable. You know, Terrell Bernard, no one even knew who he was uh, two months ago. People are going to... I'm anticipating a bitch fest about the absence of Tremaine Edmonds. And all of a sudden you're like, holy hell, where did this guy come from? AFC defensive player of the week last week. And it was one of those AFC defensive player of the weeks where you knew he was winning it by the third quarter.
1: I mean, that's how incredible of a day it was. Uh, And it's not just that game. It's been every game. And, like, once again yesterday, fumble recovery. And who knocked it out? Matt Milano. These guys are unreal. And going into yesterday,
0: I had felt, okay, they've been awesome. But the quarterbacks they've faced
1: have been Zach Wilson, Jimmy G, Sam Howell. That had resulted in the best
0: past defense by, a line ba- by any linebacker in the entire league. The, ba- the lowest overall quarterback rating allowed by any linebacker in the league was number one, Matt Milano, number two, Terrell Bernard in the whole league. They were allowing when thrown to like a
1: 38 QBR. I could throw for a 38 QBR. Literally. I could go out there, snap the ball and like snap it, go like this to James Cook.
0: And that would be higher than a 38 QBR. That's what these guys are doing in the middle of the field. I had felt yesterday, right? What do the Miami Dolphins do better than anybody? Move the ball down the field in the middle of the field. They do not move the ball on the outside of the numbers. If you look at that ESPN next gen stat sheet, where it shows you
1: where the balls are targeted by a quarterback. If you look at Tua's, It is entirely the middle of the field, almost exclusively.
0: So I'm thinking, here's your test, boys, right? Matt Milano, Terrell Bernard, no one's playing better
1: ball than you at the linebacker position. Here's your test. A-plus. Here's the toughest test of the year. Aced it. So, like... Everything about yesterday just reiterated the things that we already had known,
0: but we were wondering if it was going to hold up against better teams, right? Is this defense going to be as dominant against a really good offense? Yep. Is Terrell Bernard really this good? Yep. Is Matt Milano going to be this good every single game? Yep. Is this pass rush,
1: like, is it really this good? Uh, uh Uh-huh. Yep. Josh Allen back? Absolutely. This offensive line really all of a sudden this
0: good too? Pretty much, yep. And even when it isn't, Josh Allen's still moving the pocket better than ever. A couple of plays yesterday where, you know, the pocket would collapse. And, and Allen is, is now doing exactly what we wanted, to do, wanted him to do after week one. And that's move the pocket and make the plays that are there. And if they're not, you just don't make a play at all. When he's had to, he's shifting the pocket as good as anybody in the league right now. Saw a couple of plays on display yesterday. I think one of the touchdowns, the to Diggs was, was was a good example where he's getting he's under pressure. He's rolling to the right,
1: fires an absolute rocket on his hands. It's unbelievable. So, yep, Stephon Diggs still top three, four wide receiver in the league. Uh, yep,
0: getting the tight end, getting the tight end uh, duo involved. Saw that yesterday. I thought early on in that game, I thought Dawson Knox and Don Kincaid got this offense going in a rhythm early. If you notice, real early in the beginning of that game. It was Dalton Kincaid and Dawson not chipping them down the field. So, yep. And I think, like I keep mentioning, I just think the sky's, the sky's the limit. You know, the best is yet to come there. And we haven't even, I don't think we've seen any, I don't think we've seen
1: a slice of the overall cake. Uh, the Dalton Kincaid. He hasn't even gotten in the end zone yet. I think there's so much more to come from there. But, yep. You know, Gabe Davis back. I'll say.
0: Earns the captain in the offseason. I thought he's had a terrific month. It's all there. I mean, it all.
1: it's all there. Check, check, check. Tyler Bass, best kicker in the league. I think so, check. It's like an embarrassment of riches right now. And, I'm, I, and I've never been happier to be embarrassed. Check, 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 check. And Von Miller's coming back. It does suck, though. It's like right when Von Miller's coming back, man, this has got to happen to Trey. Like, that, that does, that kind of does stick in your ass a little bit. Or not a little bit, a good amount. It's like, really? But I will say, at least you are, there's
0: plenty of other teams that would not be able to have that luxury of having a guy like Von Miller come
1: back when losing a guy of the caliber of Tredavious White. Right, at least we have that, and like I kind of joked about earlier, a
0: couple couple minutes ago, like I I don't know if this pass rush is going to continue to be like this. I think that's going to give an opportunity for Elam to succeed or whoever wh- whoever they decide to go with. I don't know how you're going to have a successful day at the quarterback position when this defense is doing what they're doing on the front line and in the middle of the field. I don't know how you're going to possibly have a good day. Because in every single game outside of the first couple of drives in these games, if you remove the first quarter of all of these games for this defense, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen better defense ever. Like, ever. The first couple of drives in these games, you're kind of like, 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 remember we talked about this in the Raiders game, where you're just like, dude, they walked down the field. Three minutes with Devontae Adams, they walked down the field into the end zone. They didn't do a damn thing the rest of the day. Nothing. Not a single thing. Yesterday. The Dolphins' first two drives, all the way down the field, and you're like, okay, this is going to be a track meet. Hopefully, Josh Allen can keep up whatever the hell he's been doing because this
1: is what we're seeing from him is nuts. Nope, that track meet got shut down, rain delay, or you know, c- canceled. Crown, crown, the bells. I, I, I don't know. I, how many times tonight have I just like had to pause? I, I'm stunned. I don't care what you want to call it. Just call it drinking the Kool-Aid. I, I'm, I'm swimming in the Kool-Aid. I'm swimming in it. I'm drowning in it. I'm swimming in the Kool-Aid and drinking it while I'm swimming in it. I don't give a damn.
0: No life preserver, nothing. I mean, I'm in, I'm in, the, I'm in the rough waters of the Kool-Aid, like the deep sea. No, no life jacket. No boat in sight. I mean, I, I'm I'm Tom Hanks in
1: Castaway, in this Kool Aid right now. I don't give a I don't give a shit. Is that Kool Aid that tasting
0: damn good right now? That is ice cold. That's that Kool Aid. That's not that BS where you you know, watching the calories, you know, watching the sugar intake. Only gonna put. I mean, that's like that. Like, should we put another scoop in? Oh, should we maybe?
1: Add a little bit of Tito's into that. Maybe, maybe a shot of Tito's into that Kool-Aid. A little more ice. Maybe get a frosted mug out for that thing. Oh, oh, oh. I'm drinking it, baby. And it tastes phenomenal. And I'm going to keep drinking it. Because they're serving it up to me. Why would I turn it down? I'm not begging for it. You know, I'm not, I'm not busting down the door. Where's the Kool-Aid? They're serving the Kool-Aid to me on a silver platter. You know what I'm saying, Caroline? Is that Kool-Aid? Let me, look at this. On cue. What is it? Ice cold Kool-Aid. <laughs> Kool-Aid. Not even anything in that. Did I feed the cats? No. I found yeah. the hard food. See, there's so much excitement in this house. We're we neglecting to feed the children. <laughs> we're drinking so much cool. We're forgetting to feed the kids. Now she's been getting mad at me. Though. I've been—I've been. Oh, here they come. Oh. Look at—it's my girl, tofu. Hey, girly girl. Oh, Look at her. Yeah. So
0: she's nuts. All right, quick story time. As we, oh, and there's Toonies.
1: There's Toonie Runners. Look at them. Toons is my guy. Toons Toons is like a cat where it feels like he is permanently stoned
0: all the time. Look at my boy. Look at my buddy Toons. Oh. Look
1: how many toes he
0: has. So, Toons has the most toes on any cat ever. That, <laughs> according to our vet his back toes each have like seven, or his back paws each have like seven toes. But this is my buddy Toons. Say hi Toons. This is my buddy. This is my absolute buddy. Um, and he's such a good boy. You
1: want to say something? You look at him. He's trying to say something. You drinking the Kool Aid too? Yep. Big Bill's guy, by the way. He watches every second with me. They both do. Although I will say, they do tend to pass out. Ah, but, but. Squirmish or squeamish. Anyway, so quick story time. So, Toons, like I said, he's just chill as hell. He's the chillest dude.
0: Tofu, on the other hand, is out of her mind. She, I think she's training me for inevitable parenthood someday and having like a black sheep type kid where I'm going to have to be
1: real diligent. He's going to really make my life tough. That cat's nuts. Love her, but she's nuts. So we live in a building, like a, like
0: a, I don't even, it's an apartment building, but it's not really, they're not really like apartments to me. They're, it's more like, more like condos kind of the way I see it. And The problem is when you walk, like in the building, everything looks the same. It's like any other building with, you know, any hotel or whatever. When you're walking down the hall, unless you know where you are, you really don't know where you are. And in our building, like when you walk out of the door and you walk down the hall, if you didn't know what building or what number you lived in, frankly, the only reason I know where my apartment building is or my door is is because I have a Buffalo Bills mat on the outside of it. That's like my indicator to know. Oh, there I am. I wouldn't really know otherwise. Everything looks the same, and it's huge. Like it's it's massive. It spans across two gigantic sides of a street with a bridge going overneath. Really big, but the bridge
1: connects each side, so you got just a massive amount of space where everything looks the same. So the other day, the other night, it's twelve thirty at night. Caroline's at work. And I was working all night too. And I realized I had a
0: package downstairs and I hadn't gone and gotten it. So I'm like, I'll go get it now. 1230 at night.
1: I go out and get it. Walk back in the door and tofu the first cat. I showed the gray one
0: darts out of the front door turns left and darts all the way down the hall. Never stops. Never looks back. I couldn't believe it. I figured she'd stop and come back and get scared never, never stops, never comes back, hangs a left, gone. I'm in basically my underwear and in Crocs
1: and I'm dead. I haven't dead sprint probably since I was 18 and I'm dead sprint down the hall trying to chase her. I turn the corner. She's nowhere to be found. Call Caroline.
0: I'm like, she's at work. Nothing she can do about it. I'm panicking. So she calls our neighbors that live down directly downstairs from us.
1: Long story short,
0: it took an hour, an hour of scouring the entire complex at 1 a.m. And God bless my friend Nikki who lives downstairs. She found her, I don't know how she did. She was hiding behind an exit door and she got so crammed in there that she wound up getting stuck vertically. So she's standing there vertically like this. So I, the is like kind of stuck. So I ripped the door open and she immediately darts again. Now, thank God my, my buddy, Chris, who's Nikki's uh, boyfriend, he had the wherewithal to close all the other exit doors. So we were able to corner her. It was one of the most stressful hours of my life. I was freaking out. I thought I was never going to get her back. I thought Caroline was going to leave me. I, it was awful, terrible. So she's getting me geared up for parenthood, I think, or something. Although I don't think a baby would be capable of doing that. So you, what I'm getting at is it might be tougher to be raising. It might be tougher to raise cats. Let's get to some super chats, by the way. I'm just realizing I haven't taken a look at these. Apologies if, I have, uh, if you're not around anymore. I'm, I, I'm the worst at this. I'm sorry. Um, but let's get to them now. Uh, true to guns. He's saying not one team I fear. I'm freaking talking about all caps too, by the way, this ain't 2000 uh, through 2017 Buffalo bills. I agree. There's not a real, I would say the only team, the only team right now through four weeks that I would go into a game thinking, man, like, I don't know. I'd be up in the air. It, It is the San Francisco 49ers. I think that their defense is just as good as the bills. I think their offensive weapons out are able to overcome the limitations of Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy, similar to what I find Tua Tungvaluwa to be, is just incredibly good at taking advantage of what's around him. He is. He does not hinder the team at all. And if anything, he enhances them by getting them the ball. He gets McCaffrey the ball. He gets Debo Samuel the ball, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. That offense is just loaded with talent. And the defense is off the charts. That's the only other team that I think through four weeks is on the, the same level as the Bills. People would want to argue the Dallas Cowboys. Do you, do you trust Dak Prescott in that in that spot? I don't.
1: I, I do not. We will find out uh, in a couple of months. They, they square off. That's going to be a fun one. But I don't. I don't see it. So right now, it, it's the Bills and the 49ers that have separated themselves, in my opinion.
0: Jeff Green coming in. He's saying, we lay the smack it down like a... Oh, oh. I thought you were saying we lack it. I was like, wait a minute. But you're saying we actually have it. We lay smack it down like a rock would say. Yeah, I mean, we, we, it's, it's been an absolute. It's been like they're on this. It's almost like a, like a concert tour. They're, they're on the domination tour. They're on the domination tour. We're coming to your city, and we're absolutely banging you up. Or you can come to our city. We'll bang you up there. We don't care.
1: Hell, we'll go to London. We'll go to London and spank that ass. Hopefully. Space Oddity, he come, he's coming in. He's saying,
0: is this the perfect time for Elam to play? Well, I think it, it is the, it is
1: the, it couldn't be more perfect. It is the only time. It's the only time I'm foreseeing a, a window of opportunity because he hasn't even been active. And I don't know what
0: the the, the talent on this, you know, on this defense and currently what's been developing where the window of opportunity would come from otherwise. This is the absolute perfect time. McDermott said today, I want to find what he said.
1: Because he spoke on Elam today, and I, I, I had a quote earlier. I should have just saved it. Of course, I didn't. Here it is. Courtesy of Thad Brown on Twitter. McDermott said uh, about Kyrie uh, Elam quote, he will be in the mix and we'll see where it goes. That's that quote stood out to me because that doesn't seem uh, overwhelming, like an overwhelming vote of confidence,
0: but he also said a few other things as well. I think he would go on to talk about the fact that, you know, it doesn't really matter where you're drafted; it's about taking advantage of your opportunities. And, and he, he said that he was confident in, his ability to step up to the challenge if his number is called. But you know, that's a good coach building confidence in a guy. I think what you in these situations, the most telling thing is is what you see on the field. And what you've seen on the field is nothing. He's not putting him on the field. So McDermott can say what he wants. And you know, kudos to him. He's never going to downplay a guy. And you never want a coach to do that. But the ultimate proof is in the starting lineup and in the roster. And, um, and Elam has been inactive. So
1: I don't know how confident he is in him, but he's going to have to find out. I think the only way to put it motto gravel, he's coming in next seven games versus weak teams. Yep. Chance to go 10 and
0: one until the next tough game. Absolutely. Got to win next seven before a few tough games can drop
1: one, but let's not go bills. I mean, yeah, like we went over earlier, you look at that schedule, uh, you play like the way they've been playing. They they're not dropping one. They you know slip up
0: one. I mean I I'll bake in one maybe. And but like I said earlier,
1: I have to preface that with with a maybe. I got to make shit up in order to to justify the loss. I'm not gonna sit here. Uh and uh and and drum up a bunch of horse shit to, to uh. To convince myself this team's going to lose. I'll just see it when I see it. I'm not looking at that schedule right now. If you look at that
0: schedule, we went over it in depth earlier. If you look at that schedule, there's not a game that you look
1: at and say, ah, until about Thanksgiving. It's October 2nd. I'm not going to sit here and say, ah, I think they're, I just, I could see him dropping one. Maybe they do.
0: In all likelihood, they will. Welcome to the NFL. But as it sits right now, on paper, there ain't a damn team that I see until about Thanksgiving that I think
1: holds a candle to the Buffalo Bills. Very good chance to go 10-1. and one. But even if you do drop one, 9-2, and two, it's about right where this team was last year. It's about right where they were. I mean, this is where they've been. I just think the number one seed right now is more in play than it's ever been. The one seed... That game yesterday, to me, not even like including what they did, but just ultimately the win itself, I don't think we we will realize until a while from now just
0: how much that's going to impact the one seed. I think that that did them
1: an insane amount of good in pursuit of that one seed. And I think right now, it's theirs to lose. The one seed right now is the Bills to lose. And you wonder if it's going to completely come down to Bills Chiefs on December 10th. It's so exciting. Or you wonder, hey, does the, do the Dolphins have
0: a come-to-Jesus moment like the Bills did? Against the Jets after yesterday,
1: and do they go on a roll? And does it come down to January 7th? Or what I'd prefer, does it come down to none of them? And the Bills got their starters kicked up on the sidelines with a hot dog and a Bud Light week seven or week 18 because it's locked in. I'll take that too. <laughs> I'll take that. Oh my God. It's just so nice to be this happy about it. It's just so nice to be so happy about it. I don't want to let that go to waste. I don't want to um not appreciate this. It feels great. This feels so great.
0: Remember how you felt after week one? I don't care how optimistic you were. You felt, you felt like
1: ass after that game. Come on, you did. I thought I was going to die. I felt like I was dying. I remember watching that punt
0: return, and I, I, I simultaneously watched my soul leave my body.
1: I watched that Gibson kid take that thing to the house, and I watched my soul just... Hit the road. Kind of getting sick even thinking about it right now. Going back to that place. It's not a bad place. But that's why you got to enjoy these moments. Because these are rare. Even for us, and the amount of success we've had over the last handful, you know, several eight years here. Like, imagine being a Bears fan today. Imagine being a Bears fan today. You <laughs> imagine being a Jets fan. You know. Imagine being a Denver fan. You, know, you think we had you think we had hype and didn't live up to it? Come on. Imagine being—I I, mean—you can say that for anything. Do not take it for granted. This right now, this is as good as it gets anywhere. And there will come a time. Or it ain't going to be this. This is as good as it gets for anybody anywhere as a sports fan right now. And it doesn't last long. So enjoy. Even like I, I know I said earlier
0: that sometimes it dictates our emotions too much and can make, our, we, make or break our week or whatever. I can't help it. I am who I am. It's the reality
1: of it. Whether it's a mental illness or not, which it probably is. I don't know. Whatever, I have it. I'm going to roll with it, you know? And I'm going to take the good with it. I got to because I know the other side. It sucks, right? It sucks. And you know how rare it is. So you got to, you got to, you you got to, you just got to cherish it, is all, I think. Because like you just you watch yesterday and you're just you're just happy, and I don't think that there's
0: anything wrong with it. Even though I've, obviously if you're a sports fan, but on the outside you might.
1: But I just have always thought that I thought I've always felt that I think it's so unique and special to have
0: something in your life that is capable of doing that to you. I don't know if that makes any sense. But that's always how I felt. I've always thought. That it's an incredibly special thing to have something in your life that is capable of of actually dictating your emotions, is capable of meaning that much to you to where you actually give that much
1: of a shit about it either way. So many people in my life do not have a thing that they are passionate about, that they care about, that they would give up something else to do or to be a part of. They don't have that.
0: I've had that in my life forever. And I don't know what it'd be like to not have it. And I've never really understood the people that don't. And there's a reason why they don't understand me. And that's fine. Because there's just a big, gigantic difference in mindset there. And that's what makes everything, that's what makes people great. Because that's how unique people are. That's why we all get along so well. Because we're all very similar. That's why you guys come in and listen to me talk to myself (laughs) for three hours on a Monday night. Because we all share that same mindset and we all subconsciously know how unique it is. And even though there's a million NFL fans, there's also a trillion fans
1: who people out there who don't care. Well, maybe they care now because of Taylor Swift. Let's end the show on that, by the way, let's on the show. The quick T Swift rant. We'll get out of here. We'll go watch the second half of this muck fest. Seahawks giants. I think I have the Seahawks rounding out a teaser. Yeah, I do. Eight and a half. That's looking pretty solid right now. Um, T-Swift. Let me know in the comment. After the show's over, leave a comment on
0: the actual show, not in the live show, but on the show itself, like the page. Give me your thoughts on the T-Swift situation. I'll go back and read them later because I'm interested. There's two sides of the coin here. People are just getting irate about it, hate it. And then obviously there's people who are absolutely loving it. And the majority of those people are like non-traditional NFL fans. They've come out of nowhere. They're loving it for Taylor Swift, not because of of football. I'm finding myself after last night somewhere in the middle, leaning more towards it's got to stop. I'm leaning a little more towards that. I'm not fully on that side. I do like Taylor Swift a lot. I. I don't care. Love her music. Think she's great. Think she's a real, I think she's a good role model. I think if there's going to be someone in the world who is as influential, famous, powerful as she is, you'd want it to be somebody like her. She seems like a really good person. A lot of the times you see these superstars and they just are, you know, they're bad examples or they end up completely falling off a cliff she seems like as good as you'd possibly want in that situation. Like if you're gonna have a mi- trillions of y- young to middle aged women going to th-
1: filling these stadiums, you'd want it to be for somebody like that. I I, I would imagine. I mean, that's how I see it. Um, I lo- I think her music's great. I-, I mean, I I go to I I would I've actively
0: tried to go to the concert. I can't get tickets, like, just like everybody else. My sister went. I was trying to go with her. She couldn't get me one. She went, loved it. She went, to, she went multiple times, I think. My sister did, her and her friend. Um, I'd go see it in a second, that Aris tour, if I could have gotten the ticket, but you couldn't get one for retail. And then the resale was like 10 grand to sit on the moon. So you can forget it. But love the music, think she's awesome. No, no, nothing to do with her itself. Like people who just, people who just blindly hate her for no reason. I, I think, I
1: just want this to be clear. To, to that crowd. You are equally as annoying as the people who love her. Do you not
0: realize that? The people who spend all their time bitching about how much they hate her on Twitter, you're just as annoying as the people on Twitter talking about how much they love her. It's the same thing. You're just on an opposite side of the of the argument. It's the same thing. You're just as annoying. Nobody cares that you hate her for no reason. Just as nobody cares that you want to see her every every other shot on NBC in Patrick Mahomes or in, in
1: Travis Kelsey's mom's suite. They're both to me equally as nuts. Why do you care either way that much? I'm in the middle. I think... Let's talk about the benefits of it. One,
0: it's a very unique storyline. That woman is the most popular lady on the face of the planet right now. What she just did this summer, I don't know how many of you guys are like huge into music like I am and and do what I do with Dave Matthews and stuff. I, I doubt anybody is. I don't know anybody else in my life who is. Once again, I'm just insane.
1: But what she just did with that Eras tour is unprecedented. That is, that is
0: like prime Rolling Stones, Beatles, Queen. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. She's going to take Home Alone over a half a billion off that tour. The tour itself yielded well over a billion overall. She's projected to do over a billion in ticket sales on the movie that's coming out, and all the movie is, is a recording of the concert.
1: I mean, dude, she's gonna make Bezos money this year just off of singing. It's wild. So, you got the most popular person on the planet interjecting themselves
0: into the NFL culture. I think that that's cool. We're all massive, diehard NFL fans. To see the pop culture element make its way in with a fan base that I think is non-traditional NFL fans that wouldn't be around. Otherwise, that to me is cool. I like that. Obviously, it's a major benefit from the NFL. And when have you ever known the NFL to turn away an opportunity to make a dollar? They will never. And they're they're cashing in on this. Ticket sales went up, what, 40% for that game last night. Nobody wanted to go to it with, with uh, Aaron Rodgers out. Ticket sales went up, right? Travis Kelsey jersey sales went up 400% in one day. His Instagram following went up 500,000 followers in a night. It's, uh, it's just nuts. It's nuts. You got the NFL handing out friendship bracelets at the game yesterday. Crazy shit. So I think that there's part of it that's really cool where you're interjecting the pop culture into the NFL culture and they're, they're, there's, there's, it's
1: cool. They're losing me a little bit on the amount in which they are leaning
0: into it. I get leaning into it. I'm no dummy. I get it. Makes all the sense in the world to lean into it, but they're not leaning in anymore. They have dove into
1: it. The NFL has now become over the last couple of weeks. It has become where's Taylor Swift. It has become TMZ to some sort of degree. In an odd way, it's too
0: much. There's a healthy amount which is fun and everybody's enjoying it and having a good time. And and, and well, what's what's up with Kelsey and Taylor Swift? Like, is this like what's going to happen next? I get it. But then there's like, all right, you got to know when to, to not go all the way into the deep end. Sometimes treading water is just fine. If you go and look right now, the NFL's banner on Twitter is Taylor Swift in, in the suite at MetLife. If you go on the NFL's Instagram, their bio reads, Kansas City
1: Chiefs are 2-0 as Swifties. I don't like that. And if I'm a Jets fan today, that makes me irate. You could argue last night the
0: Jets got boned on the officiating at the end of that game. You could make the argument. I hate being the guy to blame the officials. I hate it because I think it's way, it's way too overdone. But like I said earlier in the show, there are circumstances where I think it's warranted. When you're a Dolphins fan today telling me the, the officials had, had an influence on that game yesterday, go play in the street. But if you're talking about last night, uh, Jets, Chiefs, I think to some capacity, I completely understand it. I thought it was horseshit towards the end of the game, the amount of flags that were being thrown. So, say you're a Jets fan today, and you're already thinking the NFL had it out for you last night. We don't want the Jets winning without Rodgers, right? We don't want the Jets winning without Rodgers. We want the Chiefs. And then you go on the NFL's Twitter, and you see, uh, or the NFL in- Instagram, and you see in the bio, Chiefs 2-0 and oh is Swifties. I mean, that's making me vomit if I'm a Jets fan. So I think that there's a healthy amount to be involved with this where it's fun and, and people are interested in it. And then, there, then there's this where they're, where they're doing this. And I, I think you know how it goes. The more, the, the more you get into something like that, the, the worse it is. Like it, sometimes less is more. But they're just, like, full candy bar in it. No bit at a time, piece at a time. They're like, like, if they took a string cheese, they're eating it like a dog would. Where, you ever seen someone eat a string cheese without peeling it? Get away from that person. If you ever see somebody eating a string cheese stick, whole, without peeling it, get away. Get far away. That person is a, they're trouble. They're not, Stable. Nobody eats a cheese stick like that. NFL is kind of eating the whole cheese stick right now. They're not peeling it, right? They're not peeling it one by one. They're just unraveling it and throwing it down their throat right now. And I think that's where they're losing people. People are getting sick of it. And sometimes I think the NFL neglects the fan base that they already have in pursuit of getting the other fan base that they don't have, i.e., let's go play in London this weekend bills jags i get it i understand it there are there is a massive european fan base or i don't know if massive but there is a sizable european fan base i understand wanting to cater to that i understand there's also a trillion dollars of untapped money over there that they have yet to extract so i get it right it's a business i understand it but i also think it's a disadvantage to the fans that have that have been keeping you, you know, that have made you what you are today. I think there's a disadvantage to that. Not only do you have to get up at the 930, which whatever, okay, suck it up. You got to get up at 930 to watch football, but it's, you know, it's still an inconvenience, but more so than anything, like I mentioned earlier, I think it is an inconvenience to the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl window to have to go and play another good team. Who's already been there for a week off of a 10 hour flight. I just, I think that that's kind of BS, but it's, you know, it's untapped market. And I think right now, like the Taylor Swift fan base is untapped market. So the NFL is like, all right, you know, whatever, screw it. We're just going to, we're just going to, everything's Taylor Swift now, everything. And I think that they'd be, I think they would be better off if they just kind of leaned into it and not dove into it. But that's how I feel. Let me know when we're done here in the comments, exactly how you feel about it. I want to go back and, and take a look at those uh, later on and see how you guys feel. Um this is a good point, too, by the
1: way. J-Dub was out on the West Coast. Got to get up at 6.30. That's, that's insane. That's weird. 9.30 feels weird. I couldn't imagine getting up at 6 for the, for the pregame. Holy moly. Wow. You know, my dad mentioned that to me the other day because he was out a couple weeks ago. He was out for, he was out moving my sister back to Arizona. Oh my God, you're in Alaska? Wow, shouts to J-Dub, who's out in Alaska. So 5.30 for you. West Coast is 6.30. 5.30 for you,
0: the game this Sunday? Oh my God, that's crazy. Dude, that's nuts. The Bills will have a W in their bag
1: by 8.30 a.m. your time. That's crazy, dude. That's nuts. The sun won't even be up by the time the Bills already secured the dub, man. That's wild. My dad was moving my sister back out to Arizona the other day or a couple weeks
0: ago. I think it was during the Raiders game. And he thought it was crazy Go into the bar to watch that game at 10 a.m. for the one o'clock game. And I thought that was nuts too.
1: I didn't even think about the fact that like West Coast is going to have to get up and watch this game at 6 30. That's a bitch. That's annoying. I would hate that. But whatever. I do get it. I think there's, there's parts. I just think that like if the, if
0: the NFL, I liked what they used to do. What they used to do is they would take the teams that are currently not at the, the stature that the bills are, or, or, you know, whoever, and they would send them over to, you know, Europe to play. But I think that they also realized that like, you know, the, the Europeans want the best of the best too. I mean, in a couple of weeks,
1: it's, it's dolphins chiefs in Germany. That's a huge game. That's like one of the games of the year and it's in Germany. And it's really cool for the, the, the Germans who
0: came out in droves last year when Tom Brady went and played with the Bucks. They came out in, in massive numbers. So it's like, it's cool for them. But man, like if I'm a Chiefs fan or a Dolphins fan, like I'm kind of bummed about that as I am kind of bummed about this weekend with the Jags game, but Hey, whatever, go get a W. I don't give a shit. If you're playing in Saudi Arabia, go get the W. I don't care if you're playing uh, in the, in the middle of Egypt, uh, in, in, in front of the pyramids. I don't care where you're doing it. Go get the dub, baby. Get it done across the pond this weekend. And let's see flash of what we saw this past weekend, which was some of the best football we have ever seen these past three weeks, folks have been extraordinary and I have really enjoyed sharing the excitement with you guys here on the smoke break on Monday nights. It makes it that much sweeter. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Leave me a comment on the episode when we're done here. T Swift, what you think about the London games, what your prediction for next week, leave me a little something. I'll go back and read it after the show. Thank you so much again for tuning in. Keep that smile all week long. The bills made our week, so enjoy it. I will see you next week. Post-London game. We'll talk about that one on Monday night. Same time, same place. Enjoy the rest of your week, folks. And as always, go Bills. 30 seconds. Wrong thingy. Go Bills again.